Yeah, early Ackroyd, I mean, uh, Trading Places is like... Oh, yeah, that's the one where you see Jamie Lee Curtis topless. Yep, I know. I have that Mr. Skin knowledge from high school. That's the intro. <laughs> if I looked like her, I mean, I would have an OnlyFans. Yeah. We should have an OnlyFans. No, we shouldn't. I take that back. I immediately regret saying that. Okay. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. This is the season two finale, which I believe is episode 12. Am I right, Dylan? Is that 12? You are so right. Thank you. Season two finale. We've done this 12 weeks, not in a row. We missed one week, so 13 weeks we've been Mm -hmm. doing this. Uh, That's wild that we're already at the end of season two and halfway through this series. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you live from Caleb Nichols' funeral right now. And I'm joined, as always, by my favorite person in the world, the heiress of Tulsa, the constipation queen. Her name is Chelsea Trinidad. Hello, Chelsea. I was trying to figure out how to work in the Imogen Heap song. Like, I was going to be like, what to say? But I couldn't think of a pun quickly enough. Yeah, that was pretty good. I could see why you were were a scatter. Oh, I was trying to like tie it in. I couldn't think of it a good joke. It just hit me too fast. I should have started thinking about this joke this morning. <laughs> Chelsea's like writing notes every, every every day we record. Chelsea has like a notepad of jokes she has to work into the pod. <laughs> exactly. I come prepared. I'm not as quick as you guys. That was me doing improv. Uh, uh, also joining <laughs> us. Also joining us. If it were up to me for the final week of this of his <laughs> podcast tenure, Dylan Irwin. He will. He's not fired. I've tried to fire him. He will yes. be back next season, but I've tried. Dylan, how are you? I'm like Tate Donovan. I always just show up and make everything better. That's what I like to think. But I, I, <laughs> or I, you, you show up and just impose your being on like those around you. I mean, that's 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 what power is. I gotta I gotta tell you though. Every time Ryan starts announcing the first person he's going to introduce, even though it's been you. For like the last, I don't know, entirety of this season when he's saying, my favorite person, my best friend, I always hold my breath like I'm a puppy that's excited that I'm about to be adopted when I'm at the pound. <laughs> oh so you God. made me, you now made me a sad like puppy. Asshole. Now I feel like an asshole. Thanks, Dylan. Before, but I want to say I read the review that I think your sister left on our podcast. Haley left a review? Which, by the way, we have way too many reviews. We've got like a hundred. Um and yeah, and she literally said, like, I don't like Ryan. I didn't like Ryan until I found out that Dylan and him were actually friends. And I was like, okay. I, th- I feel like there are people out there who legitimately think that I loathe you when I only just oh. kind of hate you. Yeah, the, uh, the, the a little peek behind the candelabra here in our season finale is that Ryan and I actually don't mind each other. Um, I love we, uh, Dylan. Dylan's my favorite person. Yeah, I um, You are my favorite person. Um who I do an OC podcast with that is not a woman. <laughs> and uh, You're my favorite Aww, so sweet. male OC pod host. <laughs> You're my favorite cis male OC podcast hosting friend. But I just want to tell you, I am so excited about these episodes because not only do we have George Lucas, but we also literally have an actual, no joke about it, Chekhov's gun I situation. wrote the same note. Look at us. Yes. Two I think we all pod. did because we had been just chatting about that. But this isn't the first Chekhov's gun situation. Uh-uh. The first one was Donnie. Yeah. I think that's where the joke started. Chekhov's crab? Uh, no. <laughs> Chekhov's kegs and lots of honeys. Chekhov's kegs. <laughs> oh, Chekhov's, let's get in here. Editing that out. 
Oh, I'm actually going to bleep it to make it seem like you said the word. It worked. And then Dylan and I are just disgusted. We're like, oh, God, Chelsea. Chelsea! Hey, fuck you! But leave that in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that might be the intro. Okay. Well, I get, do we have anything else we want to say? Everything's good. We'll be, we're doing the last two episodes of season two today. Um, we'll be back sometime soon, within I think, like a month or so, probably. I would imagine yeah. we haven't decided yet. Um, we do want to do a, we do want to do some bonus episodes again because that gives us um, excuses to talk about classic early two thousands MTV, which we're all very passionate about. Yep. I would say we're scholars about it. Yep. Yeah. Just kind of all, um, you know, millennial like aughts kind of nostalgia. I think that's very much our our vibe. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but before we get into that, we should probably finish season two of the OC. You guys ready to get into it? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll start with episode number 23, the OC, spelled S-E-A. The OC <laughs> features Sandy Cohen on screen for eight minutes and 27 seconds. Dylan, talk your shit about the OC. The OC originally aired on May 12th, 2005 to 6.12 million viewers written by J.J. Philbin, who, because of this podcast, I will never forget, is a woman and she kills it. I love her episodes. So Mm kind of like I did the last episode that I covered, um, because I'm afraid of criticism when it's excessive. I went (laughs) ahead and just wrote out podcast, buddy. Yeah. I wrote out um, what happened in this episode. And so I want you all to just feel free to jump in if there's something that's going on that you want to talk about. Because Seth shows up in the pool house, 530 mm-hmm. in the morning to mm-hmm. talk about his problems, which is legitimately the worst possible thing you can do. That's like something I would do to Ryan. Yeah. Actually, I think I usually I'll, I'll usually text you. Like I feel like Dylan and I sleep schedule is like I'm going to bed as he's waking up. So I feel like we could exchange texts around that time. <laughs> yeah, just no. It really morning. that's happened before where you've texted <laughs> our group text at two thirty, and I've been, woken up at four thirty and like responded to it. Yeah. And I was like, that is we are demented. Dylan's doing CrossFit <laughs> at two a.m. <laughs> I um. But yeah, so Seth was not up doing CrossFit. He was up because he wanted to talk to Ryan about his problems. Mm -hmm. He wants to ask Summer to prom, but he's not sure where things are with Summer and the whole Zach situation, which seems to have been going on for this entire season. Um, Then Ryan, of course, has much more intense drama than Seth does, because if you remember, Ryan saw Trey leaving Marissa's house when he went over there, which leads to a pretty epic excuse from Seth. He said that maybe Marissa was letting Trey borrow one of her newsboy caps. And so at this Yeah, I thought that was funny. At this point They're self aware. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's becoming so self aware. And I mean I feel like we're getting closer to that humor that we like in season four, but we have to get through season three before we can actually get there. Well, it's just funny because it happened so fast. Like in Friends, um, I think maybe season five or season six, Ross is like Hey, remember when I had a monkey and that was basically them like admitting that that was like a really weird like bit to add, especially as early as season one. And I feel like now, like in the last few episodes, they've been like, remember we made Marissa wear that horrible hat with the green bow on the back? Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing that thing that I like to do at work and it's where I cause problems so I can fix them. And I think that's progress. Wait, did you guys, I think you sent it to the group and I didn't read it till later. Chelsea, see that Marissa or um, Misha Barton did an interview with um, Entertainment Weekly or E! News, one of those two recently, like last week, mm-hmm. where she talked yeah. about how she felt like bullied on the set of the OC <laughs> and it started in season two. I specific, She said specifically, 
around the middle of the second season, I started to feel like very pushed around and bullied. Well, and the other crazy thing that was sent to me recently, like my sister found some interview. She talks about how that very first season, I mean, she's still a minor at this point, Mm -hmm. but she was obviously the breakout star. She was on covers of magazine. She was kind of a fashion icon at that point. And they worked her to the bone. Like when she was not filming, she was doing magazine photo shoots and she was doing, um, TV interviews. So she did every single late night show you can possibly think of. She did every single daytime show you could think of. She she like did not have a day off work for like 260 something days. This is what she was saying. But then what's interesting is she was like, yeah, I left to kind of, you know, pursue other projects. And they were really, or, you know, they were really supportive of that. I think they want to get rid of me. But what's weird about that is I cannot think of one other thing that she did other than the, the hills, hills, baby, like. The Hills was like 10 years later, yeah. though, or 12 years later. Like, I can't think of anything she did right after the OC. I can't think of one movie. Well, she was a cover girl, I think. And doesn't that take up like a lot of time? Like, no. Like the makeup company? Yeah. Oh, Easy, breezy, no. beautiful Misha Barton? That's one day in the studio. <laughs> yeah, you oh. idiot. I'm sorry. I haven't been a cover girl in so long. Hey, I have yeah. a question about this. Um, you said you talked about Seth wanting to take Summer to prom. So when they, there's a scene here where it's towards the beginning of the episode where they show they're at high school and they show the big banner across that's talking about proms coming up, but uh-huh. it specifically says the junior prom. Yeah. And like, I, I did you guys have separate proms for juniors and seniors? Because we had one prom. We had a freshman formal and then we had homecoming, which was 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And then you had prom, which was just seniors or if you got asked by a senior. Um, and then if you were, if you lived on the certain side of the railroad tracks you got you did your parents made you do symphony set which was kind of like finishing school cotillion-esque silliness and you got another couple formals out of that but we had literally had a pro we like we had a prom that was open to juniors and seniors every year that's weird that it's so different everywhere so mm-hmm. so chelsea using your analysis here if you could max out all of your activities how many formals could you go to by the end of your high school career um, you could go to, let me count one and then four. Every time she thinks of, every time she thinks of one, it's another 10 minutes. We're going to have to hear about this, the trauma that she I know. Suffered. And I'm still, I'm thinking like, oh, fuck. No one asked me these things. Yeah, oh. exactly. But obviously they did. Cause I, I, I got to go to, I think I got to go to prom. I don't, I don't, whatever. Obviously they did. I, I'm, I mean, I think I went to probably a dozen, but that was because, well, we did, you know, I did that extra symphony set that built, it was, it was actually really fucking cool Mm -hmm. because it was like a formal that you got to do with all the other, um, high schools. Dang. I had a friend who was dating a girl from another school and he got to go to her prom. And for some reason that was like the coolest thing to go to a different school prom. I was like, damn, that's really cool. Man. I got to go to a different school prom a few times. It was really fun. I I never got to do, I only went to one prom in my whole life. Seriously? Yeah. My junior year. I didn't even go to my senior prom. I was playing a show. I had a, I was playing drums in a shitty band. Dude, that is that is so much cooler, though, than like... And this is something we'll get into, I'm sure. But like, I don't remember my prom very well. Not because I was partying, but because it was not fun. Um, so, I don't know. I'm not a big prom guy. Sorry, George Lucas. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I felt very like... Kind, I, I, could, I could relate with Seth in the moment because I skipped my senior prom to go play a show at the Green Door. And it was yeah. fine. But like, yeah, I don't know. We all had boring prom moments. I'm glad. Like, yeah. what What if I was like, no, it was the best night of my high school Yeah, you were career. just like, it literally shaped me into the person I am today. You pulled yeah. your crown no. out, your prom queen crown that you still have. 
Yeah, check me out. No, She's been be wearing so it this whole time is what you all don't she know. She wears it every day. Yeah, it's still on my like uh, nightstand. I just look at it and think about when I peaked. Okay, so um, luckily Ryan is saved from having to talk to Seth about his problems by a phone call. And we get the first of many in these two episodes phone calls where the person receiving the call just says, oh my God. And then there's they have to report back to the other person. So mm-hmm. turns out, as we all remember, Kirsten was in a car accident. Um, Kirsten is not doing very well. Sad and- girl Kiki. Yeah, Sad Girl Kiki is at the Sad Girl Hospital. And so they all go and they they and they and they go and have a have a nice long chat with her, see how she's doing. For some reason they have to cut off Kirsten's wedding ring um in order to What a I metaphor. I yeah, I, I thought that was stupid. What are they trying her did her finger swell up? Like why do they have to cut off the wedding she ring? Was I can't stuck, imagine. She was stuck in the wreckage only by her her <laughs> ring. It was like hung up. Yeah. Finger. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of I mean, it's television, so you expect them to do this, especially a drama. But like for us to the, the cliffhanger is like she just got her shit wrecked and then she's mm. fine. It's like, oh I'm fine. I'm going home today. <laughs> Yeah, no consequences. Correct me if I'm wrong, and spoilers abound, but isn't that basically the exact same thing that happens with Trey? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, like because we were like, oh my gosh, he's dead. He's dead. And then then episode three, season one, he's like in the hospital, just like still looking like a catfish. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're doing it to set us up for the Marissa thing because it could have happened to her too. Been like, oh, she's fine. That's a good point. Tell us what you're doing. Are you doing cocaine? She is. She's oh, doing cocaine out of a yeah, candle? Yeah, I have this huge, I have this huge vat of cocaine. Cocaine. Cocaine? So, mm-hmm. um, I have really bad sinuses. <laughs> there's a dude, so, I was watching Euro. this is a sidebar, I was watching Eurovision this last weekend, we were watching live, and there's a dude who's doing cocaine on Eurovision. Just like, uh, he didn't think the camera was on him, and he's like, leaned down and did a rail. Which country and why was it Italy, France? the team that won. Oh, oh, well, no wonder. Yeah, anyway. So um, Ryan briefly brought this up with the uh, with the OC Junior Prom banner, but we get a brief scene after the drama at the hospital of Marissa and Summer kind of talking shop, figuring out, you know, who are you going to ask to prom? You know, typical girl in a high school show stuff, which seemed a little bit bottom of the barrel. But the thing that I found most interesting about this scene is that Summer has bangs. I read the same thing. Summer's bangs are back. (laughs) Yeah, they're back and they they remain on her head because I feel like bangs in this show are a lot like guest stars and that they'll come in and leave without explanation. But in this case, these bangs are at least like Trey <laughs> because they stick around. So I'm really excited about that. But we're no longer in school. Now we're going to go and see what Julie and Sandy are up to. I always love it. Well, I just want to Julie... say, I wanted to say when you were talking about that that scene with Marissa and Summer that um, mm-hmm. Mar- like Summer kind of can tell something's up and she gets to the bottom of it in the next episode. But Marissa basically tells her over and over again, like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, that's the total, that's such an opposite of Seth. All he wants to do is talk about his shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they would never make a good couple <laughs> or they make like a perfect couple because she wouldn't want to talk about any of her stuff and he would just talk about his stuff just be uh, very actually, one-sided you know what? that sounds probably a lot like you and leslie so yeah. uh, we're we're equal <laughs> and actually i'm the quiet one way to throw your wife under the bus like that wow oh no quiet because she has so much more to say that is worth listening to so you get it all out you give it to us instead yeah, this is okay. this podcast is me just getting it all out there. It's fine. Um, you should pay us for this. So, um, I do really like in this scene. Um, Summer says something like, <laughs> "She's like, 
put her, you know, she's telling them she wants to go to prom. I don't care who who I go with. One of you guys is going to take me. But she calls themselves a demented little threesome. <laughs> and as someone else who's in a quasi-thruple, I really appreciate the visibility. Quasi? Okay. Uh... Are you talking about, are you talking about us? <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about us, but it applies to us, I guess. Oh. Wait, what the yeah. fuck are you talking about, I'm Chelsea? So conv- I'm you're very just over there just taking, you're taking yeah. massive rips off of that bong over there and not happening? making any sense. Wait, oh my god, how, do we not have that running joke? Everyone, all of my friends say that I'm in a thruple because my husband and his boss are so close. We, like, take vacations, just us three and how stuff. How could we Ooh. possibly know that, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because everyone knows that about us. Whenever we take vacations, Everyone I, knows like, my that holiday. about us. Listen to you. My god. I, literally, like, I feel like my Chelsea's holiday card offended is offended that we didn't know this. The look on your face is pure disgust right now. <laughs> you guys are like my BFFs. It. How do you guys not know this? <laughs> I got a screenshot. <laughs> okay. Me going like this. Uh, oh. Yeah, no, I thought you were talking about us as well, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Well, never mind. I guess you'll have to edit out. I thought that it was a oh, run joke, but not, I guess we're not. We're not going to edit, edit it out, out because we have this picture now. And we I don't have know to make who, the first of all, I don't know who we're not is, but okay. <laughs> so, okay, guys, let's get back to the conversation, right? So, um, Julie, and San- Julie and Sandy are together. Uh, great scene whenever Julie and Sandy are um, hanging out. Since Sandy's the resident lawyer, Julie wants to talk to Sandy for free, I'm assuming, about uh, potential issues with her marriage. Sandy's wearing a very nice pastel sweater here that I loved. I love that sweater. He's running it the whole episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Julie brings her prenup, and it turns out, I don't know what the reason it, well, I guess I know what the reasoning behind this was, but Caleb went like full Sir Gowan in the Green Knight and says, you are not going to inherit anything unless we are married for one year exactly. And they've only been married for 363 11, days. Yeah, 11 mm-hmm. months and 28 days or something like that. And so Julie is trying to find a way to make sure that she can still get something if they get divorced. It's $3 million is what she gets. Yeah, that's that's quite a that's quite a lot of somethings. But um, the <laughs> we find out that the big plot of this episode, and I guess the next episode, is trying to get Caleb to not file... Because as long as they make it past Monday, then it's been a year and she'll get potentially $3 million. Mm-hmm. But if he, quote unquote, files the divorce papers with the county clerk on Monday, she's out of luck. So that's what's going on with Julie and Sandy. That kind of sets up one of our plots. Um, next up, we have Seth and Zach. They're broing out. They're having a great time. I don't understand this at this point. Why are they still friends? Like, how are they know. still friends? What's the point of them still being friends? I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I'm not as strong as Seth and Zach, I think, is what that lesson is. As I say in my notes, they're broing out, but not for long, because Summer decides that she is going to do to Seth what Seth did to her and Anna, and she is going to make Seth and Zach choose who is going to take her to prom. So mm-hmm. how do we feel about this little role reversal that summer is pulling on our gentleman here i respect it i like it it has big yeah big dick energy she's basically saying like i want to go to prom i don't care about either of you i really just want to go to prom it's about me so one of you take me to prom yeah she's saying i'm gonna rise above it she makes a joke about their demented little threesome i think it's funny and i think that it was very self-aware I'd be like if you and I made Chelsea choose who was going to do the podcast with her in season three. There could only be one of us. I would choose Ryan just because I'd be here for half as long. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. 
Oh my gosh. Oh man, I'm going to put that on a loop. I'm going to loop that for like an hour within the podcast. I would choose Ryan. I would choose Ryan. I would choose Ryan. I would choose Ryan. I feel like Trey and I just got shot in the back by someone. Um, Hashtag Dillabuster. But don't worry, I'll live and I'll be back for next season. So, um, <laughs> and then you'll be sad and ride away on a bus. Yeah. No, yeah, no, we should have, no, we should kill you. And then in season, season three, episode one, you just pop up like, I lived, bitch. Hey guys, it's me. <laughs> I saw the other side. Donnie says hi. Um, so we're with Sandy and Kirsten in what is the most depressing storyline, um, of these latter episodes. Yeah. It's very clear that Kirsten has a drinking problem. And so Sandy is doing what, anyone with 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 reason and love would do and he's trying to help her get the help she needs she tries to convince her to go to rehab kirsten of course diverts i don't have a problem it was just a couple drinks this is what's going on it's fine i'm gonna go uh into the kitchen and pour out all the alcohol but i will note that kirsten did not lie because she may have poured out all the alcohol in the kitchen but there was alcohol in places other than the kitchen that she did not pour out so i'm not sure whose side i'm on in this argument she lied yeah okay fine so ryan and marissa i don't get what's going on with i mean i get it but i don't get it get it because it's like they're trying to work things out but ryan is understandably confused because marissa won't tell him anything i'm not saying she has to tell him what happened but she's like not giving him anything at all and she's just kind of coming off as sort of standoffish towards ryan there's just not a there's not a connection being made here and it's hurting both of them yeah well and obviously like you can't dictate how someone processes their trauma Mm -hmm. we're very aware you do it on this podcast (laughs) oh (laughs) too funny um (laughs) oh my gosh chelsea's on fire right now i like i like it when she's mean to you Mm. (laughs) but so Let's go. Let's go into something that doesn't involve alcoholism or assault. And let's talk about George Lucas. So they go. Um, they being Zach and Seth and I. Sorry, Chelsea just yawned and so, yawned yeah. so, <laughs> so loud. loud. All I said was George Lucas, and I just hear a because yes, I do look at myself when I'm talking. Um, so Zach and Seth go to meet with Reed, and Reed out of nowhere drops this bomb. George Lucas is interested in Atomic County, which blows my is. mind. It blows my mind. Um, but th- but there's a catch. George can only will only meet with one of them. Or I don't know if this is a no. It was a Reed thing. Excuse me. Yeah, Reed decided. Reed that. is like, I'm only gonna let one of you meet with him. So you have to choose. And so we have this nice little parallel with with the summer situation. But I mean, this really. This is a tough question. I'm just kidding. It wasn't tough at all. Ryan, what would you do? Would you meet, go to a meeting with George Lucas or go to prom? I would absolutely go to prom. 100% not even close. Like, it's... <laughs> we can we spend so much time on the show talking about how, in, how like, implausible so much of this stuff is. But, like, this is just so implausible that I really don't think, like, we need to talk about how implausible it is. It's just insane that this is where they went with the storyline. Yeah, it's stupid. Wait, wait. Like, honestly, it's just fucking stupid. You wouldn't go meet with George Lucas. You would go to prom instead. What? Did I just told you right before we came on the air that I have a date and I'm skipping meeting Dan Aykroyd to go on this date? Oh, okay, touche. <laughs> yeah. Touche. I was just thinking, I was just, my surprise is based on the fact that the Ryan, the actual Ryan Drake that, that lives and breathes in, in this realm 
skipped his prom to play a show and now you won't even skip it well, out no, it's to see. Th- so, well, no, I skipped my prom because I would go, if I'm in Seth's situation, I go because I want to be with Summer. Like, that's the goal, right? Like, you want to be with the girl of your dreams. I didn't have a girl in my dreams or else I may have skipped my show to go to prom with her in high school. Well, okay. I that, I find that answer satisfactory. Um, so, <laughs> so Caleb... So I guess we'll stop the Dillabuster and move on now. Dillabuster is stopped. Mm-hmm. The vote passes. So Sandy continues his revolving door of people coming into his kitchen, and Caleb shows up this time. Um, Caleb is angry with Sandy. Um, he seems to be angry about everything these days, but he's especially angry about Sandy's softball approach to Kirsten's drinking. Um, he doesn't think that he's doing the right thing. Caleb brings up, I think for the first time, about their mom's drinking problem. Yeah, do we think that Caleb had a point? Because I was kind of team Caleb during this whole scene, you know, honestly. Mm, well, that's tough. The, here's the thing with Caleb. Caleb makes good points in bad ways. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think this was too. an example of it. And I do love that Kirsten brings the fire right back to him, much like Chelsea is doing with Ryan in this episode, <laughs> where she like mm-hmm. walks in and he's just berating her and berating her. And she hits him with, oh, I made an error in judgment. You would know about those, wouldn't you? Smash cut to Lindsay playing her oboe in Chicago. She's just playing it by herself. She's playing the same song because that's all that she She's knows how to play. She's playing Everclear's Father of Mine on the oboe. <laughs> but so I actually, I did have a Lindsay, note no, about... Lindsay's playing, Lindsay's playing I'm Just a Kid and Life is a Nightmare on the oboe. <laughs> yes. So... The, the, the coup de gras, which I have to use that phrase once an episode or else I die, was Kirsten saying, I may like my Chardonnay, but I'm not going to die alone, and that's more than I can say for you. So when the nickels are mad, they, uh, they go for the throat. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of mad, let's talk about Ryan. Ryan thinks there's something up. He wants to go instead and talk to Trey about it because Marissa is being very closed-lipped. So he goes to um, Harry Styles' girlfriend's old apartment, and he's just banging on the door, just doing what I could only describe as angry knocking, which wouldn't be so noticeable if not for the fact he then leaves a really chill voicemail very, for Trey. Yeah, very sweet voicemail. He's hey, like, Trey. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> you know, give me a call. So... Um, Seth and Zach are just not into this whole we have to choose who takes Summer to prom thing. So they go and they mm-hmm. see Summer who is rocking some absolutely awesome over-the-ear headphones. Oh, yeah, she's like chilling on the lawn, just like do having like a one-person picnic. Yeah, I love she's it. Like, yeah, good for her. Yeah. And so they try to hit her with the, well, I mean, if you had to choose, who would you choose? Which is not a variant on the question in any way. And she straight up just tells him to flip a coin. Um, which they do, but they decide that they are not going to flip the coin until right before prom slash the meeting with George Lucas, so they can't back out. I actually really think that I think that's the right move. I was like, mm-hmm. that's brilliant. I would do the same thing. Like if I we flipped the coin and I got one, I'd be like, okay. But then I would overthink and be like, no, I should be doing the other. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the right way to go too. But I just, I don't know. If I were the one delegating, it'd be really hard to choose who to send to what. Mm-hmm. We, we we get back, though. We get back to Caleb and Julie. Caleb is, like, my favorite character in these two episodes. Um, I mean, in this one episode. He's not even in the other episode. He's not even say, in the next in episode. In this yeah. one episode. And so he shows up to Julie's house, and Julie answers the door with yet another callback and says, is this a booty call? 
Um, and Caleb says, not in the least. I came for my sleeping pills. His Ambien, yeah. which is printed in large font across yeah. the hall. I know. Do you think they like co-sponsored? Do you think that was like product placement? This episode is brought to you by Ambien. <laughs> by Ambien. Don't take too um, many. I used to take. I used to take it occasionally when I couldn't sleep. Uh, but I used it, to no, take it occasionally. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't work on me anymore. So I just that, like because you never, took it too much. No, I really didn't. I only took it like twice a month, maybe, and um, it doesn't work at all now on me. So I just had to like. I mean, now I don't even think about taking it if I can't sleep. You don't need Ambien be anymore waste. because now you have this podcast in Chelsea. Thank yeah. you so much for listening, and it's okay. You can go to sleep now. Good night. Have night, a great guys. morning. <laughs> but um so julie imagine if she just woke up out of a sleep while she's listening to this podcast and she just heard that she'd probably i'd freak out i would yeah i'm telling you we're, we're we are ambient we're emotional ambient so julie <laughs> julie um tries to kind of help caleb with his situation with kirsten she offers some pretty good advice much like seth did she says caleb you should write kirsten a letter to say the things that you don't want to say to her right now um which i don't know maybe that'll come into play later we'll see um, but Julie, you can almost see her eyes light up. She gets an idea when she sees the Ambien um, and decides that she is going to do something. We don't know what it is yet, but she's so excited that she asks Caleb out on a date. So they're going to try and have like, I guess, a farewell party. I bet they're going to McDonald's. So we're back at Harbor and Ryan and Marissa are making up. And by making up, I mean like they're full-on PDA in the hallway. She's kissy about being asked to prom. She looks so happy whenever he said it. Like, ugh, it was so pure. She, she was so happy when he said, how about going to prom? She really looks happy. And then, of course, because people look happy, there has to be someone watching from the darkness. And Floater Girl is watching from the darkness. She is there. She gives me Cheryl Blossom from Riverdale energy. And, like, the few listeners who are listening to this who whoa, watched Riverdale. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. That is, yeah, yep, that is spot on. Yeah. Like, she's she's one of these girls who's, like, you never really see her with other girls or other people at all. She just serves a purpose to stir the pot. And so she is stirring the pot from the darkness. I have a question before we move on from Jess. Were there girls like that at your high school? Like, I, what con- confuses me is, like, normally a girl like Jess would, like, not be hanging out with water polo players. That's kind of what throws me off about this. Like, the guys who are really star athletes were not hanging out with the weird drug girl. I do have a lot of questions about her drug services yeah. when we get to the next episode. So, um, Kirsten's still uh, having a rough time. She's not doing too great. Sandy is still like, he is being so nice in these episodes. It breaks my heart how nice he's being and how he's just persevering. He's being a good husband. He uh, he talks about beating Caleb off. Um, <laughs> Sa- Sandy proposes. <laughs> Ryan just disappeared from the screen. He's laughing so hard. It sounded like you were talking about jerking him off. <laughs> so Sandy... So- Sandy proposes a night in to watch some of... I almost went into a Sandy Cohen invitation, you all. I was so close. Sandy proposes a night in to watch some of Seth's uh, DVDs, um, House of the Flying Daggers, stuff like that, uh, and get back on solid ground. So Floater Girl goes up to Ryan, does that creepy thing that you always see in teen shows where she's hiding and she appears when you close the locker. Um, she refers to Marissa as Trey's sloppy seconds and mm. says that Trey is in Chino. 
Why does so. he keep going to Chino? First of all, you said in Chino, and that's funny. Why does he keep <laughs> going to Chino? Because it's he has his favorite bar. But like, isn't it like a forty-five minute drive? He's been there like at least two times in the last couple episodes. Like he just goes there to hang out, and then he drives back to his apartment. Okay, no, that's a good point. I guess so. I mean, like if I just went to Stillwater to hang out, and then I went back to my house that <laughs> night. Like, I you love know what Eskimo I mean? Joe's, man. I love yeah. it. I guess so. But that's where we leave Ryan and mm-hmm. Floater Girl and the trade situation. And now we have Seth and Zach. Zach has a coin. They take it out. They f- they decide they're going to flip it then. They're going to stick with whatever the choices are. Uh, Seth, they both have their tuxedos if they need them. Seth has a tiny, tiny, tiny Boba Fett shirt that's actually not even that cool. That he ends <laughs> up that he ends up not wearing. So I don't understand why that whole little bit was in there. Uh, they flip the, to remind you that he's a nerd, Dylan. Come on, that's true. Um, flips the coin. They look at it, and because TV thrives on drama, they don't say who's doing what so, or who's going to what. But then they flip the coin, and then uh, Seth says something like, "Oh, that's what I would have wanted." And Zach is like, "Yeah, this is great." So, what did you think? Who did you think got what? It's so hard to tell because I've seen this episode a lot. Because you've seen it, I, I think mm-hmm. when I watched it back then, I thought it was the opposite. Um, but watching it now, even taking away the benefit that I've seen it before, it makes sense that they would do it this way because it gives Seth an opportunity to make another kind of like big heroic romantic gesture. If he's like yeah. giving up something versus, oh, chance brought me here. Well, and especially that speech that he makes at the beginning of the episode, like I heard, you know, he talks about hearing Summer and Marissa mm-hmm. talk about it. And he says the prom, uh, <laughs> prom is about romance Br- and romance Br- is something that. <laughs> Welcome to prom. Oh my god! I was trying to make a very profound point. You Do guys it. are fucking around. I'm sorry, you said a word <laughs> wrong, so we're mocking you for it. Obviously, ding. I can't speak today. Okay, I can't speak any day. This is this is the me gaslighting myself situation that we were talking. Oh god, about. We're about, here we go. Buckle up, we're going downhill. It's coming. <sighs> no, we're not. I'm holding it together. So, anyways, sp- the it just at the it, to me. Yeah, it all ties in together because Seth talks about how uh, prom is romance and it's something that Summer's been dreaming of and it's really important that, to him that he's there for that. Hmm. Yeah. So Julie's drugging Caleb. That's her plan. I think that that's one of the things that I overlooked so much as a kid when I watched this and now I'm like, holy shit, that's dark, is that Julie was absolutely about to and willing to commit murder. Mm-hmm. To get this money from Caleb. So, okay. So, hold on. Riddle me this. I don't think she was trying to kill him because if she did, she wouldn't get the money because they hadn't been married for that long. What I think she was trying to do was, like, make him sleep all day the next day so he misses his filing deadline. At least, the, oh. only, the only reason I'm interpreting it in that way is because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but under the prenup... She only inherits if they've been married for a year. So if she kills him and they haven't been married a year, it's no different than if he would just file on Monday. I think she was just going to kind of keep him like on a 12 to 24 hour sleep cycle by giving him a whole bunch of Ambien. I don't think she was straight up trying to kill him. I think she 100% was trying to kill him. The stakes wouldn't be that high if she was just trying to make him go to sleep. You don't need sleeping pills for that. She could. It, it's like we talked about this last week, but it's like an official term. Whenever you're about to have a breakdown, they send you to the hospital and they give you a bunch of like benzos and you just sleep for 48 hours. Hmm. Like that's low stakes. She was trying to kill him for sure. That's why she's freaked out and threw it out in the sink. 
Also, hmm. didn't she, I think, I don't think we didn't really talk about this, and maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like she got the pills that she was going to drug him or kill him with from Lance. Like, it was Lance's original idea to kill Caleb with this method. Yeah, he's, she was 100% trying to kill Whoa, him. Whoa, hold on. I think, I, yeah. Lance said we can kill him, we'll replace his pills. That was his idea. And, and I, that's what I she take was back, I take back the prenup argument, because... That that my my logic would make no sense if they're still married when he dies. She inherits no matter how long they've been married. Otherwise, she probably gets more. She probably gets more than three million. She probably gets everything. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, you guys are right. Julie Cooper was trying to kill him. Yeah, she was trying to murder mm-hmm. someone. Okay. Deal. So she's trying to murder him. Uh, Caleb uh, was going to be murdered in his best sweater vest. Uh, Julie is giving big Lance energy with no blinking eyes, not suspicious at all. Uh, Caleb opts for scotch to kind of. They well, do so that. she put the drugs in his margarita. Yes, they did. And they, she, he didn't. They, they did the thing where he like puts it up to his mouth. Oh, and he I stops and talks, and he puts it up to his mouth, and then he stops. It was, uh, also, Julie looked amazing in this scene. Yeah, if looks could kill. She was. She did. Oh my gosh, it. that bikini! Like, how's that oh, not the outfit of the episode? I, it could be. Honestly, I've been so, so stressed this week. I didn't even pick out outfits of the episode. Chelsea! So that could be the outfit of the episode. I think her bikini should absolutely be the outfit of the episode. She looked amazing. All right. Done. Outfit of the episode. Does that mean that I get to choose the music moment of the episode? I mean, there's only one moment you can yeah. choose, but go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know the music moments this, for the next episode two episodes. And the next yeah. episode, there's only one clear one. <laughs> so, the, next uh, the next one's actually the bravery. I'm just kidding. So Yeah. So let's go to Chino, everyone. So Trey and Ryan reunite in Chino at that one bar. In Chino. Um, Trey in Chino. Trey says that both he and Marissa were drinking a lot, and Marissa threw herself at him. Ryan, of course, doesn't believe him. But then Trey swears on their mom. Yeah, again, that was another thing that, like, as a kid, you watch, you're like, oh, Trey's lying. But as an adult, you watch it, and you're like, fuck, that is hard. Because you could, like, Ryan, the, um, Ben McKenzie did really well in that scene, I thought. Mm-hmm. Like, just kind of portraying mm-hmm. the kind of betrayal and heartbreak of potentially thinking that Marissa could have done that. Mm-hmm. But just seeing Trey look at him straight in the eyes Lance style without blinking and say that like I swear on mom that like this is what happened was like yeah. shit that was that was that was hard that was hard to watch yeah yeah so hearing this news Ryan walks mournfully around Chino for a little bit um, just in time for Chekhov's Aunt Teresa to show up in the street <laughs> um, she actually gives some pro Marissa advice but this 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 was so unbelievable that like she just happened to be there. Be like, she, he thinks she's in Atlanta, I guess. Is that where they left off? Mm-hmm. I think so. He thinks that she lives in Atlanta and she told him she's just there for the weekend to see her mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is so weird that like and, they just ran into each other. Clearly she lives in Gino still. And she says that when it comes to who Ryan should trust between Trey and Marissa, I thought it was pretty chill of Teresa. Maybe she was a spirit. We don't know. Uh, said of the two of them, Marissa is the one you can trust. Yeah, I thought that was really cool of Teresa. Like, ultimately, I know Teresa, like, got on all of our nerves just because she kind of ruined the Fabulous Four that we came here for. It's the car. But she, um, yeah, I know. She, we, we, we hated her car. It's the exactly. original weird car. But she always had Ryan's best intentions at heart. Like, she, she's a good human. You know, she truly cares for him and honestly puts him before herself you know in these situations so i have a lot of respect for Teresa, and she's our age 
Yeah, she. Yeah, she. I know. Um, plus, she's hanging. She has the patience to hang out with high schoolers as a thirty-two-year-old. So she would want to her. She would one hundred percent be on TikTok. Teresa would love that Olivia Rodrigo album. Oh yeah, yeah. She probably is. She's probably still listening to it, still pining. I'm, I'm willing to bet. So she doesn't want. Ryan's like, hey, can I come in and say hi to your mom? Uh, Teresa doesn't want him to come in because there's a dang baby. The baby that she apparently didn't have and a baby that I totally expected to be wearing a little wife beater because that's how subtle this show is sometimes. But instead, they give us this like Marcellus Wallace's briefcase thing where mom looks at the baby (laughs) and goes, he looks so much like his dad. And like all this, like, first of all, why, like, why would a mom say that? Like, that's not something that that was so overwritten to be like. It's so Teresa could be like, oh, well, I actually, I just saw his dad 30 seconds ago. She didn't say that, but she might as well. I know, like, literally, they could have just been a baby, and they could have just, like, not said anything. It's like the mom yeah. looking at and the baby, And yeah. especially, it's, it's kind of fucked up, because she says that, like, she says that fondly. Like, he looks so much like his dad. Um, we now know that that baby belonged to Eddie, so she's saying that fondly about a guy who, like, punched Teresa in the face while she was pregnant with him. Like, that's kind of fucked up. It's one of those lines. It's like she's looking at the baby and saying, I'm done having sex with Julie Cooper. Mm -hmm. Just one of those lines to make sure you know what's happening. I will say that did plant the seed really well because I've kind of basically forgotten about that baby thing by the time we get to the end of season three, and it comes up yet again, as Teresa Mm -hmm. does at the end of every season. Yeah, she's, she's, it's like bookends. But um, so it's prom time. We see a very large, very awesome looking white limo pull up in front of Summer's house. And who's going to get out, guys? It's going to be Zach because Mm -hmm. Zach won the toss or lost the toss, depending on how big of a George Lucas fan you are. He won the toss. Yes. And he's looking good, too. He's looking good in the suit, full handsome energy. Like, I'm here for it. He looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, Summer is noticeably not super excited. Um, you can see the disappointment on her face. You can. Yeah, you could. Uh, I would never be disappointed if Zach was taking me to prom, but that's another conversation for perhaps a bonus episode. Um, but they go to prom. <laughs> what? No, we're prom. not doing a bonus episode about you and Zach going to prom. 100% <laughs> not doing that. It's okay. You can read my fan fiction on my Tumblr. On Anonymous so, Eagle. So, <laughs> Anonymous Eagle fan fiction. Prom, of course, is super lavish. Um, they walk up. They see Marissa, who looks like she's drinking straight grape juice. Um, don't really know what's going on there, but everyone's at prom. And uh, Marissa is not drinking grape juice. Not everyone's not at prom. Ryan and Seth are not at prom. They're not. Because do you know what Seth is doing? Seth what? is with George Lucas. George Lucas is with Seth. He's drinking seltzer on the rocks with lemon. He's an amazing actor in this entire sequence, both him and his neck deserve just all the praise in the world we literally out- my notes say george lucas would would love white claws george <laughs> lucas is a terrible actor yeah so we find out that george lucas didn't go to prom because he spent his time being creative drawing ewoks and jar jar binks <laughs> but <laughs> what i don't that was a great impression Dylan. this has never happened it's a rare what, moment what i don't get is first of all when you went, you would you would have gone to prom like in the sixties or seventies. You know, you weren't drawing Jar Jar Binks in the seventies, so that's neither here nor there. Maybe but he did. He said, "Yeah, I had to plan it out all of it." But yeah. he regrets. <laughs> I want a whole podcast of Dylan doing his. <laughs> the George- like, this is the only this is the only like, impression that I like. So he knew there was going to be this weird guy that little kids would love, but everyone else would fucking yeah, hate. It's like that was his plan. Well, he steps in the pool. It'll be really funny, George. <laughs> Get me another diet coke, please. Um, but so Dylan, this is the best thing you've ever done. It's oh my god, I'm so happy. Right saved now. it for the finale. So Boy, you're coming back, season three, baby. Dylan's on board. <laughs> yes, new, new, 
Dylan. Yes. Let's just, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to cut it short and I'm just going to go by Dylan. So he regrets. Yeah, not, you know what? I take it back. You're out. Hey, come on, man. He's a great guy. So <laughs> George Lucas regrets not going to prom because it's a seminal moment. And I'm not milking the voice. It's just so funny because how he says, he goes, you didn't go to prom? Seminal moment. Seminal moment in your man's life. And like Reed um, is so put out by the fact, like Seth didn't ask immediate questions about like Atomic County, and Reed's like immediately like over it. And I was like, God, just let him have a moment to talk about something else. He, it's a yeah, it's a really weird pivot because the first thing Seth does is he goes, "How did you come up with the idea for a lightsaber?" And then she doesn't even give George the opportunity to respond, and she's like, he, "He's not going to answer any questions not related to Atomic County." So Seth instead asks a follow up question that is again not related to Atomic County, and he answers it. Um, and also, I I feel like this really does track, and and George Lucas brings it up in the episode that it, it's important to live those seminal moments because he felt disingenuous when he was uh, writing and directing American Graffiti, starring Han Solo. Yes, starring a, a young, strapping Han Solo, also starring Ron Howard, who went on to direct Star Wars Solo. But George Lucas, in other words, tells Seth that he should go to prom because it's important. You should do it. Back at prom, though, Zach is having kind of a similar situation, but in the opposite way. He's getting texts. I'm not sure who's texting him. Reed. I guess Seth is. Is Reed, no, Reed. sitting? He said it's Reed. Oh, Reed mm-hmm. is. So th- that's kind of yeah. what confused me is Reed's sitting there in a meeting with George Lucas texting a, a high school kid. Yes, that's what we're led to believe is happening. And okay. she's texting him a lot because his phone is vibrating nonstop for like a few seconds. Yeah. Um, Summer figured out, I think, because she's very astute that Zach doesn't want to be there. <laughs> I th- I think you no. Know, what I think is Zach knows that she would rather be there with Seth, so he's trying to play it off like, well, I'd rather be at the comic book thing type of. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the thing that I did that I didn't get is, um, she says that he's been quote dreaming about this comic book your whole life. That's what I wrote too. It's only exist, but it's only existed for one season. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, has he has he been dreaming of making a comic book his whole life? Because I don't think he has. Mm, yeah, I don't think he has either. He hasn't. Silly. It was just it was Seth's idea, and he was riding on his coattails. It was a it was a Wozniak Steve Jobs situation. So back on the home front, Sandy and Kirsten are having their night in, and Sandy wants to watch Shaun of the Dead, which is an excellent movie. Um, the food arrives, the takeout that they ordered, and he goes to pay for the takeout and goes into Kirsten's purse and lo and behold, there's vodka in her purse that she did Mm. not pour out in the kitchen. So that means that she is lying to him. How is Sandy going to deal with this? I guess we'll find out in a second because Julie is pressuring Caleb to drink the death marg and Caleb is just looking like a king. Like he's like Tyler, the creator he is the ultimate shirt at the pool kind of guy. Every button is buttoned. He's looking prim. Mm-hmm. He's looking proper. That really is like a Tyler the Creator outfit. That's a good yeah. point. So Julie decides to grow a conscience uh, and pours the drink out before Caleb can drink it. So whew, that was a close one. I hope nothing bad happens. We'll find out what happens later because we're back at prom and Marissa and Summer are joking about how much of a letdown prom is. Ladies, I agree. And then all of a sudden, it's time to announce prom king and prom queen. Summer is queen and Zach is king. But uh uh-oh, everyone, Zach is gone. So instead, Seth shows up. And 
what proceeds to happen is one of the funniest sequences in the episode. So Seth gets up there, and there are two there are two things that are yelled that are hilarious. The first one's at the beginning, the second one's at the end. But the one at the beginning is some guy just goes, "You're not Zach Stevens." Well, then some other guy, like, so I think this is said twice. The guy says, you're not Zach Stevens. And then immediately after that, some guy goes, Seth Cohen's a tool. Yeah, and then man. they and then they have the speech. And then at the end of the speech, the guy goes, but he's still a tool, though. <laughs> that was my other, he's still a tool, though. Yeah. Uh, Seth gives a pretty goodish speech. Um, yeah, it he was good. A, he does a little bit too much of that. I'm an awkward nerd, self-effacing kind of like, and so I'm here. I'm on the stage and I'm. He talks too much. Yes, he does. I hate people that talk too much. But um, again, for being, this is what I can't get over for being literally like the lowest tier human at their high school for being the person that like, he thinks everyone just hates him because he's a nerd. Mm-hmm. The confidence to get on a stage and grab a microphone and talk in front of the entire high school in an awkward moment is so unbelievable. It would never happen. So, Yeah. Coldplay starts playing Fix You, which is there anything we want to say about Coldplay's Fix You before we continue moving forward? Great song. Yeah, great song. I guess I guess apparently that's how it works at their high school is even if you're not voted in, you can just kind of claim it because you're someone's boyfriend. But go for it. Go off. Yeah, whatever. So um, Coldplay starts playing. They're dancing to Coldplay. Marissa uh, has decided to leave prom and go to her house outside outside um and ryan shows up and they dance at prom outside just Shades. like they danced outside at the other event oh i was gonna say just like they danced outside at the prom on saved by the bell when zach and kelly break up and they dance outside the prom oh dang i was yeah. thinking about i literally think the first time we ever made the marissa lives outside joke or the, oh, was it cotillion was it was cotillion? when no, they were cotillion and she was and just outside because I remember that was also when Luke came up with big, scary uh, Patrick yeah, Bateman hair. Yeah, he had his hair slicked back. Yeah, so um, we have a lot of parallels going on here. And then right as the music hits the second so verse... Let's, and play, let's play a game called Is Chelsea Frozen or Asleep Right Now? <laughs> no, neither. Okay. Neither. So we uh, we leave everyone dancing at prom, having a good, good time, and then the second verse of Fix You starts to play, and that's when the music really starts to crescendo, and then, uh-oh, Caleb has a ding-dang heart attack by the pool, and he finally gets in the pool. He complained that he never gets in, and he finally gets in the pool. Big Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off Energy. He goes straight down, sinks to the bottom like a stone, rest in... Yes. I have thoughts. First of all, I'm upset. I'm upset that they never that they didn't get to the actual um, bridge crescendo of "Fix You," which is like the best part of the song. They never even get to that part. Um, yeah. Whenever she's running to like get to him, and she, she has the drink in her she hand, throws it. She th- the, the mm-hmm. glass breaks before it hits the ground. First of all, she throws it into the grass, <laughs> and it makes a glass shattering sound. But the glass is already broken as she's throwing it. This is a big episode for glass breaking. A big, big episode yeah. of our podcast. Lots mm. of glass. Yeah. Um, I want to clear up something too, by the way, because Chelsea mentioned it. Um, for those of you that have listened to Welcome to the Podcast, bitches, the Rachel Bilson, Melinda Clark podcast. Is that what it's called? Is yes. that really what it's called? I've heard this. Um, I can't remember. That's, re- that's the name of our group chat. Yeah. The most recent episode of the podcast for us on the recording timeline was episode four uh, covering the debut. And yes, that is me, Dylan from Oklahoma, that is featured on a voicemail that they play. Oh, I forgot to listen. I forgot to listen. In that, that. in that episode. So I just want you to know that I will not forget either of you when I make it big because uh, Rachel Bilson 
actually wow. uh, said that I had an interesting question. What was your question? Actually, I don't, I don't care. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I don't need you to get into yeah, it. Yeah, that's a teaser. I think everyone should go listen to it. I can't believe you're two-timing. You're on two different OC podcasts. You know what? I, <laughs> I, I A guy takes what he can get where he can get it. Podcast you thought wise. you were you were prepared for us to kick you off. You're like, I'm going to start making moves. I was. This other part. Okay. It's, it's, commit it's, pod ultery. But uh, so yeah, um, bad news, everyone. Caleb's dead. Rest in power, King. Um, Rip. So Sandy confronts Kirsten about the vodka that was in her purse, and he says, "Right now, I feel more like your dad than your husband," which is the perfect time for the phone to ring. We get our second "Oh my God" of the episode. Of someone on the phone and Sandy goes it's about your father he's dead I am so sorry and then Kirsten grabs the bottle of vodka and walks out of the kitchen leaving Sandy alone as the final notes of cold place fix you ring out and that's the OC we did it this is in there this is in there see you guys guys next season (laughs) I think this is a fantastic penultimate episode though I think that it set up um what was going to happen. It was a nice wrap. I mean, it, it was the end of the Seth and uh, Summer storyline that had been going on all season long. Um, the end of Zach. I don't think we see Zach again ever, do we? That was my next thing is because when I started, I, I, when I take notes for my episodes, I will like kind of ahead of time, I'll put down what I think the storylines are going to be like Sandy Kirsten, Ryan Marissa. And I had written Seth, Summer, Zach for the next episode, and I realize he's not in it at all. He's not a part of it. We never see Zach again. Do we ever hear anything? We never hear about Atomic County again, right? Like, that's the end of Atomic County. That's the end of Zach. Yep. Zach, mm-hmm. Zach's yeah. episode run, He the first episode we saw him in was episode two of this season. The last episode we saw him in was the OC. R.I.P. Rest in wow. power, King. He that's died a along pretty with Caleb. Long, I mean, that is a long arc for a guest. Who was, who was your guy with the jokes? What was that? Was Danny? Mm-hmm. Danny, you, Danny, could, Danny, go big. It, rem, it reminds me of like, if you can think like the Beatles only had six, seven years where they were actually playing music. Can you imagine what the Beatles would do with like the Rolling Stones longevity? Could you imagine what Danny could do with Zach's longevity? He could perfect. I think about, I think about it every day. Let me tell you. He could perfect his craft. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He'd still be big, but he'd be good. Uh, all right. Well, should we get into the finale, episode 24? You guys have anything else to say before we get yeah. into it? I'll try and make it fast, faster. Let's do it. Episode 24, the dearly beloved feature Sandy Cohen on screen for 10 minutes and 56 seconds. Dylan, tell me more. Season two of the OC ended on May 19th, 2005 with the premiere of this episode to 7.63 million viewers. And guess what? It's a finale. So hold on. Who was written by? Everyone say it out loud. Adam Brody. Correct. Yeah. Great job, kids at home. It was Josh Schwartz. Oh, shit. That's me. All right. You want to watch Blue's Clues? I just get really mad. I uh, I have it broken down. This was hard to break down into storylines because they're so like cross-pollinating. But the open is Sandy talking to Syriac on the phone. That's what it is. He's in his office. He's on the phone talking to them. Seth has to go to Sandy's office to find a cell phone charger. And when he's in there, he finds the pamphlet for Syriac, the rehab facility. My question is, Sandy's had an office in his house this whole time. And what happened to his beachside property that he bought earlier this season? Is he Did he sell it? Is it still his? Uh, yeah, I have the same note. I get excited whenever we find a new room in the house. Um, this is the first time it's ever mentioned. And... I think he still has his office because he's there at one point in one of these episodes, like at night, I think. (laughs) 
that screenshot you just sent of Chelsea's face is wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't even gotten to see it yet. It's downloading right now. Oh, God, it's so good. Anyway, uh, wait, you think he still has? I don't remember him being. Was he in it in this episode? I think I thought it was this episode. Oh, no. That's a great one, Chelsea. That's what you look like when you talk to us. <laughs> oh, it's all like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I look like Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> my shoes. You ruined my shoes. Wait, uh, so Sandy, I guess, has has multiple offices. Good for him. Do, what does he even do now? What's his job? Do we know? Uh, well, his one client's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Was he still representing Caleb? I guess so. Maybe wrongful death action. I know. He's dead and his other client and ran back to Canada. And so Max was his client, right? To help with Rebecca. And then Max died. And then Caleb was his client. Now Caleb's dead. He's like the Black um, Widow. He really is. Yeah. Two dead and one runaway. Like, do we, yeah, do we Great know? Do we know what Sandy's doing for her job? Like, I don't. I really don't. Living off of that uh, sweet K money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so from there, we should break it down into. Let me start with the least important storyline, which to me was Trey and Jess, which I gave their own little thing here. So Trey comes home to Alex's house. Jess is waiting for him. <laughs> Trey's in a full suit. Do we know why he's in a full suit? No, we never explain it. It doesn't make sense. Jess is there. They go inside. And I guess she's like, I could get us $15,000. I'll split it with you. All you have to do is wave a gun around. And I'm like, this is wild. Like, This is full on Jess being a drug dealer, I guess. That's her thing. Um, I knew she was selling some drugs to high school kids, but now suddenly she's like cartel level, like moving $15,000 worth of drugs around. Good for Jess. Um, she brought the gun that she wants Trey to wave around. It is, in fact, Chekhov's gun. Um, so their plan, I guess, is they're going to sell $15,000 of drugs to some Asian guy. Yeah, it's like an Asian gang. I don't know who, where she found these guys. They're clearly, I don't think they're in high school, but... They're selling $15,000 worth of cocaine, but also she says something of their speed and E are the same, are the same quality, which to me was bizarre that she's selling cocaine, ecstasy, and whatever speed is, I think we said it's like Adderall, um, all at once in like one big drug deal. I don't think that happens. I think when you buy drugs, you buy one drug from a person, then you have another person that you buy different drugs from. That's just drug strategy, but maybe she's doing her own thing. Unless she's like the plug in all of like the best like E guys and the best speed guys and the best coke guys are all funneling it through floater girl (laughs) LLC. E E guys. It's like like E girls. (laughs) All right. Don't worry. The E, the speed and the gamer girl bathwater is just as good. Whatever. I'll give credit where credit's due. Bitch had a hustle. She did. Uh, so their plan was to set it up publicly in the bait shop for some reason, I guess, because they thought it would cause less of a scene, which doesn't really make sense. But the plan is uh, she'll bring the drugs. They'll bring the money. She will rob them, essentially, have Trey point the gun at them, take both the drugs and the money. Not unlike Caleb did to Lance earlier, like a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um she does at one point bring up her bad parenting, which I think is a growth moment for her to acknowledge that. And I was proud of Jess in that moment. Um, they while they're while they're there at the bait shop, they run into our our core four who are coming straight from Caleb's funeral in suits. And uh, she asked them why they're so dressed up. Seth says we just came from my grandpa's funeral, and Jess's response was, oh, "He was probably pretty old anyway." <laughs> oh, I God. love Jess. You know what? Well, I love before... Jess. Yeah, she has good energy. I pro I pro Jess now. Mm-hmm. Before what, Chelsea? 
I, well, I guess I guess we'll talk about it when we talk about the funeral. But I was gonna yeah. say I thought that moment was really sweet when they were like, "Do you want to go hide out in the playhouse in the, uh, the pool playhouse?" House? I mean, it's Ryan, both Ryan's playhouse. Ryan's playhouse. <laughs> that that's very much something that happens. It's like this is overwhelming. Can we just go be kids for a minute and kind of get away from the small talk and? Well, Sandy uh, kind of puts her, puts him up to it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, he he does, but it. Yeah, doesn't he talk to Summer and tell her to kind of corral them? He tells her to get the kids the fuck out of this house. It's about to go down. Mm-hmm. That's what he says to her verbatim. Um, so <laughs> Trey like decides, oh, my brother Ryan's here. We need to move this robbery to the pier. Criminal logic, great. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulls the gun out in the middle of the club to check if it's loaded, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, They focus on the bullets. So you as the viewer know, wait, what is that? Is that? Okay, yeah, that's a bullet. Oh, yep, it's loaded. So that, yeah. that's what my head did. Um, so we see Jess. She's upstairs with these with these guys that she's selling drugs to. She's she's selling him speed, ecstasy, and cocaine. And then all Game of a sudden, uh, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, the drug buyer grabs the drugs and stands up and just says, "We're we're going to need to put this on a payment plan. As in, <laughs> we'll pay you when we plan to." That was that was hilarious. Good. That so was good. funny. That's a tight five. Yeah. Also, is that not what, like, I mean, we watch Breaking Bad. Like, is that not just, like, standard drug dealer risk? Yeah. It's a lawless business. I guess that's why she wanted to do it in a public place and why she brought her gun. But it's like, you do it in a public place if you're not going to rob them, though. If you're going to rob them, you don't do it in a public place. Oh, I guess that's true. But she was a stupid high schooler. She doesn't know that. Not only that, she also is not very politically correct, because I believe the line she said was, get on your rice rocket. How about you get in your rice rocket? rocket. I was offended by that. Okay. Should I have been? I'm the Asian one here. It was was offensive, but it was also kind of funny. Okay. We can say... It's not, that's not a harmful stereotype. That's just a stereotype. I'm going to bleep it out to make her sound like she says something way worse. <laughs> I, I, get, I got that mixed up with the crotch rocket, which was a motorcycle. I'm going to edit all this out so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> she, says that, but you won't. she has this most cliche drug scene in a movie or TV show line where she's like, what's up? I thought we had a deal. And I was like, oh my God, Jess, don't say that. She grabs Trey's gun after he calls her a bitch and she grabs the gun <laughs> And pointed at him and says, "Who's the bitch now?" And I was like, "Yes, Jess, I love this. I you love know, Jess." You know who said that? Didn't who what? Didn't Donnie say that exact same thing? Oh yeah. Oh. I think you're right, actually. Oh, that just hit me. So, do we think that Donnie died and has been reincarnated as Jess? Yeah. Wow. Floater boy. Um, she, he says something like, "What are you gonna do? Shoot me?" Which is exactly what Ryan says later in the episode. <laughs> um, and she does. She shoots a gun in the club. She shoots it above his head on purpose. Good for Jess. But she still shoots a gun in a place, a very public place. Chaos ensues. Jess and Trey get out of get out of there. But they are seen by Ryan, who's also there, so he knows something's going on. So we'll get to the Ryan stuff later. But after that happens, the next morning, Ryan comes over to Trey's house slash Alex's house. And basically says, I want you to get out of town. I don't want you to be here. You're not healthy for anybody. You're trouble. Trey mentions that Jess turned out to be a lot crazier than I expected, which I love. Yeah. I'm in love with Jess now. She's my favorite character. <laughs> Is Ryan overstepping? Can you kick someone out of a city? I, I have a note that says, how does Ryan even have that authority? Like, what's he, what's he going to do if Trey stays in Newport? He's going yeah, br- to brood at him. 
I don't know. I think he was within his bounds. Like, I mean, you could ask, I guess home. you can ask it, him, but like for Trey to be like, okay, I'll be out here first thing tomorrow morning. I was like, you don't have to. I mean, you are a shitty person and you're trouble, but like, he can't kick you out of the city. This is yeah, my I mean, city. I, I, I think it was less about like kick out of the city versus like, you cannot be in my orbit at all whatsoever. So the last thing we see about Trey before we get to the big finale scene is he's packing his shit at his apartment. Jess and I wrote, Jess is just there, I guess. She's just hanging out on the couch. Um, and she decides that they should go to Las Vegas. And so that's where they're planning on going. She says she's going to go steal her stepdad's Beamer, come pick him up at 8 o'clock, and I guess they're going to take their $15,000 and go gamble in Vegas, which, again, as someone who gambles quite a bit, I love Jess. I would love to go on that adventure with Jess. If anyone Mm -hmm. else out there wants to take me to Vegas and give me $15,000 to gamble with, I'm here for it. Me too. Yeah. Um, Okay, do you guys want to talk about the kids or the adults? Let's talk about the adults and then finish with the kids. Yeah, totally agree. So adults all wrapped up. I couldn't split them up into specific storylines. These are all the adults. Um, We start. The first adult we see is uh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. It's coming. We see Sandy talking with the actually he actually went physically to Suriac, the rehab facility, talking to a Mm -hmm. doctor. The doctor's selling on selling him on it like he's Stefan. Like this place has everything. Human fire hydrants. Yeah. Sandy says that Kirsten won't come voluntarily and the, and the doctor immediately has a rebuttal he's like they never do and I just like he's just like he's a slick salesman he's like trying to hustle Sandy is what it feels like <laughs> well what I was laughing about is because that guy looked identical to Bob who studied birds from the swingers party <laughs> oh oh yeah <laughs> head cannon maybe same this guy was, maybe this was his long game that's pleasure that's swinging with you you have to turn in your watch when you check in here. Yeah. God, if we t- Did you yeah, say oh, nice that- swinging with you? <laughs> Pleasure swinging with you. Sandy um, oh my gosh. So the next adults that we see are Julie and Marissa. There's a door. There's someone's at the door. The doorbell rings. Dylan, who was it? It's a silhouette that I would recognize anywhere in the world. It is none other than Hercules himself, Hollywood golden boy, (laughs) Kevin Sorbo, Jennifer Aniston's former flame. It is Tate, the great Donovan himself returned from Hawaii. Tate's back, baby. He's looking great. He's already wearing a suit. Is this the day of the funeral? He's already dressed for the funeral, I guess. I think so. So he's already wearing a suit, and he has, I mean, he's there. Marissa uh, answers the door. They have a little moment. Uh, he tells them it must be really hard. I'm back for this, blah, blah, blah. So Tate's in this episode, at least. We know that for a fact. Uh, the next thing we see, and we're back at the Cohen's house, there's another There's another doorbell ringing at the Cohen's house. Sorry. Who is it, Dylan? I don't remember who the second person is. It's Haley, you moron. I'm sorry. I was so <laughs> caught up in Tate that I forget that other people exist. God damn it, Dylan. I set you up so well. It's okay. I have to we're disappoint. Gonna have to, we're going to have to really think about season three and you come <laughs> back. <laughs> hey, come on, man. Dylan's not that proud. <laughs> <laughs> Haley is back. Um, within with literally within two minutes, we get Tate and Haley back, and I'm just so happy. I love Haley. I really love Haley. I love her too. And I what also makes me upset is I'm pretty sure this is the last time we see her either. Also, is it? Is she not around I don't in season three? Her at I will all check in season three or four. I really don't remember if she's in season three or not. Um, but I love Haley. She's here. She's back. She's with Kirsten. I mean, obviously her father passed away, so you would obviously her father passed away, so you would expect her to be at the funeral. Which begs the question, 
Did anybody yeah. tell Lindsay? Where was Lindsay? Oh, I know. Man. Her oboe I mean, because she obviously it. felt some affection towards him. Like, she nursed him back to health after he had a heart attack. I don't think anybody told her. I think everyone's forgotten and moved on from Lindsay. <laughs> this yeah, is the last episode, Ryan. by the way. This 100% is the last Haley episode. Is it really? Man, the nickel line is just dying. Man, that sucks. That's a bummer. Like, she was a great character. Dylan, you can have season three. I'm tagging out. If Haley's not on the show, I'm not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we lose um, Luke. We lose Haley. Yeah, those are my two faves. I love Haley. Um, so now we're at the funeral. Sandy, everyone looks good in their grieving, their grieve wear. Um, everyone's, everyone's looking great. Sandy gives a pretty good speech. What did you think of Sandy's speech? I, uh, I really liked it. I liked the last line. I think it was, um, heaven could use, I'm sure heaven could use a few more McMansions or something like yeah. that. That was that was good stuff. That was primo Sandy Cohen. Yeah, and he's like a terrible father-in-law. I thought that was he was a great was father, a great grandpa, a terrible father-in-law. Yeah, that's a good so, speech. The 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 funeral was like very very short. It was like literally a thirty-second scene. Um, and then we have what I could what as a Jew, I only assume this is like the shiva after the funeral. There's like a little house party at the Cohen's house. Yeah. Um, and Tate and Haley are finally reunited, and they're very cordial with each other. And Wait, but uh, Caleb's not Jewish. Remember, because they always say uh, Kirsten's a wasp. But, but he Andy's said this Jewish. is like the shibby. The, uh, the shiva. The shibby? The shibby. The shibby, like from Two Doors My Car. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, what is okay. It's the shibby. I mean, I guess it's normal to have like post-funeral gatherings, but like in, we, we call it a shiva, so whatever. In the Christian tradition, um, you have to have post-funeral snacks. So uh, Tate and Haley are reunited and they're very sweet and nice to each other. And I just thought that was like, they really, I mean, they were like hot and heavy for a minute and then they separated for a month or two and now they're back and they're just like friends. It's weird. Um, I thought there'd be a little more energy there, but no, Tate has his eyes set on someone else, his newly rich ex-wife, which I don't think is a coincidence. We'll get there. Oh, oh yeah. While Tate and Haley are talking, they notice Kirsten getting drunk. She's drinking quite a bit. She's putting them back. Yeah. So we also see Sandy catching Kirsten in the kitchen, pouring herself a drink. We have bartenders for that. I don't want to wait in line. I respect that so much, Kirsten. Yeah. Don't change. Yeah, actually, you probably should change. Yeah. Um, he tells her to pace herself, and she she comes back at it. This is like Ice Queen Kirsten. Like, maybe you want to lay off the Kirsten drink count. Yeah, um, that's Julie's, not nice. Julie's pulling a floater girl by just creeping in the background. She walks up to Sandy and decides and says she offers to help. Keep an eye on her. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. By this point, Seth is kind of caught on to the fact that there's something going on with the rehab facility. He lets Summer. Summer knows that as well. So Summer approaches Kirsten and offers her food, which I thought was very nice. Mm-hmm. And, Kirsten, yeah. and Kirsten's just like, fuck off. No, not not eating. Just kind oh, of blows her off. The worst. She's not the worst, Dylan. Stop. In this, in this moment, she is her worst self. Mm, maybe. Um, <laughs> but that's when we also see Sandy approach Summer and say, like, hey, maybe maybe get the maybe get the kids out of the house. Maybe get Seth and Ryan out of the house because he thinks, mm-hmm. I think he knows some shit's going to go down. He doesn't want the kids to see it. We later see Tate and Sandy catching up outside. I wish we could have just watched that for an hour and a half. <laughs> Would have loved that. But instead, it's interrupted by Kirsten stumbling around with a bottle of vodka. That's power um, move. It really is to walk around your own party with a bottle of vodka. Yeah, man. Uh, champagne, I've done before. A bottle of vodka is just such a flex. Um, Sandy confronts her. She's wasted. She yells at him to get your hands off of me. Mm. 
there's a whole scene. See, like she makes a scene. She pulls a big. She pulls a Marissa here by um, mm-hmm. making a big scene, yelling, kind of stumbling around. Um, Sandy. They get her back inside. They take. They're, they're trying to take care of her. They finally put her. I almost said they finally put her down. They put her to bed. Uh, the next morning, Sandy and Haley are having a little catch up. And Sandy tells Haley that Kirsten is going to get help with her drinking, whether she wants it or not. And Haley says that she wants to help. So she offers to take Kirsten out for a spa day so that Sandy can organize an intervention Mm. at their house. That was so sad. Man, this, I mean, it gets dark from here. Like, again, this is one of those things that you watch as an adult and it just, it hits so differently than it did when we were kids. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think this is the, like, this scene was the first that I ever, like, saw what an intervention was. Mm-hmm. And I got kind of, like, do you guys remember there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where they have to have an intervention for one of their friends and then they start having an intervention for all of their friends for, like, minute things? Yeah, an intervention like, banner, right? Yeah, they have an intervention banner that they hang up over and over and they, like, uh, have an intervention for Marshall for singing everything that he's doing. and Don't they also have to have an intervention for having interventions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I never known what it was and then I saw that and then because I suddenly knew what an intervention was I learned about the TV show intervention mm. oh, great and I was like wow this is like a formal thing that people do this yeah. is this is very interesting the- like I just had never like thought about it much or was aware of it and um, I, I think that they did a really good job mm-hmm. on this in the scene i mean just i i haven't been a part of an intervention obviously but um well chelsea i'm glad you said that um let's bring everybody in (laughs) it's just just us and the dogs yeah (laughs) they're too hurt to cry like suddenly your whole family is at our houses like jumping on the zoom (laughs) i um no chelsea i i completely agree and i think this is we really saw this last in our last set of episodes too but you know I, I feel like you can really only mock things that you that you enjoy. Like to truly mock something, I feel like you have to really enjoy it. And I mean, we, we make fun of this show a lot on this podcast, but I, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't love this show. And one thing that this show does so well is it handles the nuances of these very, very heavy topics. Um, and this week... I really, really, really liked the way that the conversation between Sandy and Seth was handled just before the intervention. Um, yeah, that just, scene was important. And just the acting from from both Sandy and Seth was just so stellar. This episode, I found myself tearing up in this episode. Just oh, I did too. Absolutely, like, for sure. Especially, I mean, that intervention scene in particular. Yeah. I, I wish, the only thing that I thought was missing is I kind of wish Jolie was there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Lindsay, her sister, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carter. It would have been, yeah. (laughs) Doing his, like, his Bert and Ernie voice. Yeah. (laughs) He would Bert his his Bert hair. Yeah. I think Bert, I bet Bert and and George Lucas sound very similar, by the way. Well, they really do. (laughs) Hey, I heard you drink a lot. It's okay. Uh, I have a problem with uh, a Coke problem. I drink a lot of Diet Coke. <laughs> you want to see my laser sword collection? Why is this so funny? I hate that you're funny. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> it's like I understand why Haley was there, obviously, because she comes with the authority of it runs in our family line. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was kind of hard. It, like, you know, Haley has been so absent. I just think it would have been better to include Julie as well, because then it's like your best friend's perspective. Do you think they're best friends? 
Yeah, definitely. Her and Kirsten. You think Julie is Kirsten's best friend? Yes. Who else does she hang out yeah. with besides her family? I, I mean, nobody, but like. They are mutual best friends. Uh, and that's it, uh, that, that's probably kind of sad. I think you know? if you talk to Julie, she would say Kirsten's my best friend. If you talk to Kirsten, she would not say Julie's her best friend. Up to this point, I don't know. Who would she say her best friend is then? I think she would probably just name some random person, but I don't think it, her and Julie have had so many problems. She married her dad. Yeah, but still, I think she. I think Kirsten feels more connectivity to her than any of the other noobsies. Well, what I was gonna say about intervention, the TV show. Do you remember the episode where the girl was like addicted to like huffing um, like aerosol cans, and she kept singing the "I'm Walking on Sunshine" song when she was fucked up? It was. What? I love her. I love oh her. Oh my god! Is that the show? I think the intervention show was the one where the guy was like, "And after all, I still love you." And the guy goes, "Ah!" <laughs> I'm not making fun of people. I'm just that's intervention just okay. is a great show. There's so many episodes, though. Like, this is not even, like, Catfish, where there's, like, memorable ones, because they all kind of play out very similarly. But I actually, I was in Lowe's the other day getting spray paint. And um, whenever you buy spray paint, they have to come ID you. And, of course, you know, it's coronavirus, so I was wearing a mask. And I, I did this whole bit about, like, hey, wouldn't it be really funny if, like, I took off my mask and there was just, like, spray paint right here around my mouth and nose? <laughs> and I was, like, talking about it, cracking myself up, cracking up the guy behind me. And, like, the cash register was, like, she was not having it. She did not find it to be funny. Like, it would not have surprised me if she was, like, I, I don't know if you can have this. <laughs> like, you're, on, you're on the list now. Yeah. You're on the lows list. Look out. Uh-oh. Um, okay, we'll move on. So then before we see the intervention, we actually see Tate and Julie together. This is what I, this is the note I wrote when I sent you guys. Tate and Julie are together at Julie's house. It's the day after the funeral. Tate says, let's, let's get the boat out. Let's go sailing to Catalina. And she's like, okay. And I wish we could have seen that. I wish that they would have just spun off Tate and Julie onto their own show from here. Cause I would have just watched that show instead. I love them. I want them to be happy forever together. Where do we go from there? I, I got caught up in my own hilarious note. I'll tell, I'll tell you where we go so, from there. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Don't talk. Don't talk, Dylan. Let's keep eating. Yeah, just just, just turn your mic off, honestly. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Sandy is at his house. Seth walks into the kitchen. Seth's being a douchebag. This is where I was like, I literally remember, remember why we hated Seth. It's for this scene in particular. I know that... It's his mom, and he feels very close to her. But he's acting like the—he's acting like a victim again. He's acting like he's the victim here. Not only that, he also blamed himself for his—he blamed himself for his mom drinking by basically saying like, "Well, I ran away. Like that's why she's drinking." I just uh, Seth drove me insane here. Um, and then he also blames Sandy for her drinking and accuses him of wanting to ship her off just so he wouldn't have to deal with it. And I was like, fuck you, Seth. Like, Sandy is holding is holding on by a thread here. I just was so mad at him in that moment. I will say, and this is the scene that I was that I was referring to, and I was like, this is, I really enjoyed this scene. I feel like we have the benefit of seeing how much work Sandy is doing. And this is me taking Seth's side, by the way. Yeah, but Seth and, doesn't see with all the work he's doing because Seth's too self-involved and doesn't care about anybody yeah. else. And I mean, and he says that, like, at the very beginning of the episode, he says, I've been so self-involved this past year. So he, he's trying to kind of... So maybe so maybe if you know you're self-involved, don't accuse your dad of being shitty and just acknowledge the fact that you don't know what's yeah. going on. I think that he was taken aback by, of course, by finding the brochure and having to find out f- that way that everything was going on. And I think a lot of the mean stuff he was saying was him scared and him. This is going to be sound weird. I know. I have, to always, I have to always remember that he's a child. 
Yeah, because like I mean, I've had conversations like that with with my dad, just because like especially because my mom and I are a lot alike um, emotionally, and so like I can't say stuff like that to my mom because it's like literally just saying it to the same person and then it just comes back from the same force. But like when I talk to my dad about it, I mean, I've gotten that way before, which is probably why I'm such a handful, but I get the idea where you think you're helping. Like Seth thought he was defending his mom and doing what was right by saying, so this is what you're going to do. She's an alcoholic. Big deal. She, we just tell her not to drink and she won't drink, but you just want to ship her off. So what I'm hearing when Seth is saying that is I'm hearing I'm a 17 year old kid. I'm scared that my mom is not doing well and I want to try and fix it, but I know that I can't. So I'm going to lash out at the one person who I know can take it. That one person is Sandy, who's already dealt with a lot from Kirsten and the Carter thing, and now the alcoholism thing, and now now his own son is coming at him like that. I was like, I felt terrible for Sandy. For like, I was like, he's fucking just hanging on. Mm-hmm. Thank God that Ryan immediately comes in and says, "You're doing the right thing," which was a great a great scene. I was like, okay, at least at least Ryan knows. So they have that little. It's not really a fight, but it's a it's a moment in the kitchen, and so Sandy has to go up to Seth's room. And again, Seth says something that I thought was, and maybe I'm just looking for reasons to hate Seth, but like he said something that I thought mm-hmm. was so shitty, which was, this isn't supposed to happen to us. We're not that family, which to me is him thinking about the repercussions that this is going to have on him and not caring about his mom. It's got Julie Cooper energy as far as like her caring that Marissa's dating the lawn guy because it's going to make her look bad. Counterpoint. Yeah. Well, and yeah. it's also, it was also kind of childish to say in light of him being so close with Ryan. Like, Ryan's a nice dude. He had a fucked up family. You know, that's just something that happens that sometimes people have no control over. I was reading that more as a, why are we having to suffer this way? Why, why is it happening to us? And it is selfish in a way. But it's um, not happening to us. It's not happening to them. It's happening to Kirsten. Like, that's yeah. what I don't understand. Like, Yeah, like, it's not like she was abusing him or treating him any differently because of this, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think Seth's being shitty. Just because I like it. Just because yeah. I like to call Seth out for being shitty. It's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to do. Um, Seth Cohen did nothing wrong. While they're having their own version of that exact argument, <laughs> the doorbell rings. It's the doctor that, uh, it's Dr. Swinger. He's back. He's here to hold the intervention. Um, Seth lets his dad know, I will not be there. Basically says, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Next thing we see is Haley and Kirsten driving home in a convertible down the Pacific Coast Highway. Kirsten looks so much like Tommy Wiseau in that shot with the sunglasses. And she's kind of... Uh-uh, yeah, she does. You did not say that. She does. With the sunglasses Dylan. and the disheveled hair. She does. Wow. You're wrong twice in the last two minutes. Incredible. Only so- twice. <laughs> that is offensive. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau is beautiful. I want to know what car that is. That's a fun car. Like, why didn't Teresa mm. or why didn't Teresa or Lindsay get this car? The, Haley's car is uh, fun and cool. I would have liked it more. Yeah, hundred percent. Haley does not have ant energy, even though she is an ant. So that's when we get to the intervention scene. Kirsten walks in. Sandy's uh, the doctor talks to her. She's very caught off guard. Sandy's the first person that gets to talk to her. It's like we said. It's Sandy. It's Ryan and Haley are the three people that are in mm-hmm. there with the doctor. So that's the intervention team. Um, Sandy kind of says some words to her. Her re- her response is you're overreacting. Haley says some words to her about their mom and their alcoholism. Kirsten fires back immediately about like all the times that Haley was on drugs and partying, and she never said a word. Ryan has some things to say, and Kirsten is ready, at, like just ready to immediately tell him, "Do not say a word. I brought you into this home." And I was like, "Ooh, this yeah, is full was- full ice queen on display." 
Um, but Ryan's response was really good about how he only li- he's living with him because his mom was an alcoholic and she did not get help and he didn't want to see someone right. else do that. That was a trump card. Mm-hmm. That was great. That was. A, I mean, they they had ammo ready both sides for each other um but then kirsten basically is kind of fighting it and i feel like you could tell that she's starting to accept that like i probably need this but she's still gonna put up a fight yeah especially like after ryan spoke but um obviously she's indignant with sandy and then whenever Haley talks um i i mean it would be frustrating to have like Haley, like oh my fucked up sis my Mm. fucked up sister is the one calling me out but Haley made good points, I thought. Ryan made even better points. And then whenever Seth comes in through the hallway, it just breaks your heart. Okay. I might edit this out if it's not if it's, if I don't say this correctly. But when we talked a couple of weeks ago about the relationship between Seth and Kirsten, I don't remember exactly what scene we were talking about. But we were talking about how they are not as it seems what we've based on what we've seen on the show, which is all we can judge this on. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they're that close i mean i'm not saying they don't like love each other they don't have a good relationship i'm not saying that at all but like he's not the person that she talks to about stuff he's not the person she talks to about stuff it's much more sandy for both of them in that situation so yeah, sandy for both of them Kier- kirsten has more tender moments with ryan than she does with um seth like kirsten gives ryan relationship advice um kirsten talks and checks on him and we don't ever see her doing that with seth right I don't know if this is intentional or not. If it is, it's like three levels deep, which is great writing if it is intentional. But like, I feel like the point of the Seth thing being so powerful to Kirsten and to the audience is we're going, oh, they never have moments like this. So it is mm-hmm. more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. But I at the same so. time, but at the same time, it just makes me mad that again, Seth gets this credit for having not having that relationship with his mom to begin with. I think that what I saw in this episode and what made that scene more powerful for me is I feel like Seth and Kirsten are a lot alike in the way they deal well, with Well, they are things. related, Dylan. Yeah, no, but I mean like d- demeanor wise, just because like if Seth is quote unquote caving and saying that she needs to do this, that's when she realized, okay, I really do need help. Because if Seth, who is self-centered and this and that and who is always in his own head, feels this way if he's even telling me it's time, like I, I know that he didn't really have an ulterior motive potentially. I don't know. That's the thing I have a problem with though, is that like we acknowledge like, Oh, Seth only cares about himself. So for him to take a minute to take a moment to care about someone else makes it that more impactful, which just makes me hate Seth even more. Cause <laughs> he, gets, he gets credit for like being an asshole all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll move on. So I did write that Seth finally did one good thing. Good for him. Um, <laughs> And also that this is way harder to watch as an adult as we did. Like when we were kids, I don't think we fully grasped a lot of this. This is much harder to watch as an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. But she is, as, as you see on intervention, the TV show and also now on the show, she has to leave like immediately. There's not like, we'll take you tomorrow or whatever. She's leaving like right then. So she says her goodbyes. I started tearing up whenever she hugged both the kids and said like, I love you. Dude, I lost it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, She's apologizing to everyone. She's saying their goodbyes. Sandy is driving her to, uh, the rehab facility. And I also wrote that like Kelly Rowan just fucking nailed it in this episode. Like she was amazing. Yeah. She needs an EGOT for, uh, for this episode. Give her every award. I thought <laughs> she just really nailed it, but she's gone. She's out of the house. Um, so now we switch back over to Tate and Julie after their, their daytime jaunt to Catalina and he brings up like getting back together. Let's get the band back together. Let's, let's rekindle this romance. And like, 
I got to say, Dylan, I know he's your boy, but I think it's pretty convenient that now that Julie's going to be rich and inheriting all of Caleb's money, suddenly Tate's like back. I thought I thought he was coming on like, first of all, I agree. I think that he has a plan. Um, I don't like the plan. I also kind of thought that he was coming on a little bit too strong really quickly and almost taking advantage of Julie in that way. Um, I think he said at one point, like, the Coopers are back, baby. And I'm like, what? Well, so, they, so, so Marissa shows up. That's the next thing is Marissa mm-hmm. shows up and he runs it by her like, hey, Marissa, guess what? Like, I'm back. We're getting the family back together. And I was like, this is kind of shitty because, you know, he part of it is him wanting to be rich now that Julie's rich. But also, mm-hmm. don't forget when he left how shitty it was. And we're all expected to just be like, well, I guess it's OK that he did that because he's back now. Yeah. Yeah, I, Tate, I love you, but I don't love your 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 new Hawaiian, uh, your your what is it, your Aloha living style. Spirit, yeah, yeah. I don't love your just... your mana, your Aloha spirit. You know, just go drink your Zoa energy, man. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, it was just stinky from the beginning. Like, oh, Julie's the only thing keeping me and Julie apart was Caleb, and now he's dead. Yeah. Like, ugh. But I did, I mean, that was so moving. Like, they, so him and Julie go on that beautiful date, have so much fun. They obviously have such chemistry. And, you know, we kind of talked in the beginning of the season about how it was just so nice to see them loving and getting along. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that scene where they tell Marissa, like, hey, like, I think maybe their dad's just going to stay here. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she initially says something kind of cold. She was like, okay, well, whatever keeps dad here. She didn't seem that thrilled. And I think she's justified that because he just left her not that long ago in a shitty way. The... The moment, the moment that was really moving to me, though, was whenever she hugged her mom and they kind of made the music crescendo right in that moment. Like, That's, it was yeah. basically like, I can't apologize for this last year, but, you know, this is this is us starting anew. And it, in like, definitely at the end of this season is when Marissa and her mom stop having an adverse relationship, um, you know, for much of the third season. Obviously not the fourth, but her, you know, she's very supportive of her mom and admires her mom's um, uh, resilience, hardiness, you know, and resilience. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I agree completely. My exact note that I wrote was Mar- Marissa seems less than thrilled, but she does hug her mom. But then she says, I'd really love for us to be a family again. And to me, that was very cringy. The, mm-hmm. the line, also the way she delivered it, but I think maybe it was on purpose because I don't think she's fully on board with it. Yeah. But I don't know. I wonder what their relationship would be like had Caleb not died and her having to acknowledge that her mom's husband died. So that's why she's being a little nicer to her. I don't know. Um, Anyway, the last scene with the adults is Kirsten arriving at rehab. She has to give up her bag. Uh, Going to rehab the day after your dad's funeral would be just impossible. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know how you do that. Sandy, I wrote Sandy's talking to her too much when she's setting her stuff up. Um, She doesn't have any phone calls for 72 hours. And I wrote, this would be awkward. And it is very awkward. When he just walked over and like was trying to make light of the situation, like, hey, it's a great bed, nice sheets, high thread count and something like that. For some reason, that just broke my heart. I don't know why. And then like he was, you know, he was told that she, you know, I want to be home when you... When you're done, I want to be home so we can call. And then he finds that he can't talk to her. And then he just walks away, gives her a hug and a kiss and looks back at it. It's just, it broke my heart, that whole part. Well, it's sad. It almost reminded me of like, um, you know, I was thinking whenever you kind of drop your grandma off at the nursing home. Mm-hmm. But I also got, I also got that energy, you know, whenever my parents were dropping me off at college, it was kind of like, 
Uh, just, you know, you get homesick a little bit. And my dad was kind of like, oh, yeah, this mattress, it, it's, it's pretty thin. So, you know, here's an extra hundred bucks to go get a mattress topper. He's trying to he's trying to help. He doesn't want to leave. But what I did find interesting is whenever you do go to alcohol rehab, they don't want you to stop drinking before you get there. Because whenever you come off of alcohol, like you can fucking die. So they like expect you to continue drinking until you're there. <laughs> they were checking her bag to make sure she had vodka in it. Yeah, like I thought that was funny. He was like, let me check her bag, the standard. And I think that was trying to communicate to the audience like, you know, she's not going to a resort. She's going to kind of a institution situation. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it for the adults. Like Kirsten is gone. She's out of the house. She's in rehab. The Ryan, Seth and Sandy are on their own at the the big house. They're going to have to fend for themselves. And apparently Tate and Julie are getting back together. So mazel tov to them. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap this up with the with the core four, our squad. Um, one of the first big things that happened was Seth. We talked about this. Seth and Summer hanging out at his house. Summer, Summer brought uh, Princess Sparkle over to play with Captain Oates, which was nice. But Seth has this moment where he talks about realizing his own selfishness and how he doesn't really know what's going on, which to me says, if you don't know what's going on, maybe don't just lash out at your dad that way because your dad probably knows a lot more than you do. Mm. Um, the kids are all at the at the Shiva uh, but they decide to to leave at Summer's request because Sandy had approached her and said, get the kids out of the house. Some shit's going to go down probably. So they go to the bait shop. They all head to the bait shop. And it looks like it's just like a party night, which I was into. It's just like a DJ playing the bravery, which I think is fun. DJ Ryan Drake. Could have been me, guys. I'm just saying it could have and should have been me. Seth has a funny line about not realizing or remembering if he works there or not, which we've talked about. Um, they do mm-hmm. run into Trey who's there because he's pulling a robbery as we talked earlier. Um, it's awkward with the kids and Trey, because you can remember that they haven't seen Trey in a while. Like Ryan went to his house that one time, but other than that, Trey hasn't been interacting with them very much at all. The last mm-hmm. couple episodes, Marissa's especially acting awkward. They split up. Summer's talking to Marissa alone and Marissa's still not quite opening up about everything that happened with Trey. I did think it was funny that like they wrote in, a, they wrote in some random person just walks by and goes, "Hi, Marissa," and like Marissa looks up and waves at her just to just to remind you that Marissa <laughs> is popular. Don't forget. Yeah, everyone likes her. Yeah. Um, Ryan is at the bar, probably grabbing some Seven Ups, and uh, that is when he sees the the shady dudes for the from the drug deal that we talked earlier. The shady dudes walk mm-hmm. in. Ryan takes note because he sees them walking with Jess to go somewhere. Um, the next thing you know, there are the gunshots. There's Jess. She was shooting at them. The whole club is like going into lockdown mode, which is great. But I just th- I thought it was kind of funny that while like the gunshots <laughs> ringing out in this club, there was kind of a funny part where Ryan sees them running around with a gun and he i guess he just had the intuition that someone's about to shoot because he yells everyone get down and so everyone hits the floor before the gunshots and like i guess we're supposed to believe that ryan just saved like 20 lives in that moment and there's no acknowledgement of it but fine whatever he's a hero he's yeah he ryan literally like he saved lives but okay um when he says Mm -hmm. that marissa i marissa i guess her instinct was to just fall head first because she falls. Yeah, Put your like, face. I understand that. She falls face, face in the glass. first into broken glass, I guess. <laughs> like, okay. Because she pops up and her head's just bleeding, which I guess was maybe to be like a fake out for us to think for a second. Maybe she got shot, but it's, she's Seth fine. Seth goes, oh no, it's glass. When Jess grabs, like she shoots, she grabs the bags and she runs. I have never seen a tiny person book it like that. She runs like a gremlin. Like she's hunched like over she's with her like, gold. Oh my god! It really was. It had it had big like what, big, what's the guy's big name? Big gremlin Gollum? energy. 
Gollum. Yeah, big Gollum energy. So, He's like, Dylan, no, <laughs> you went too far. You've gone too far. <laughs> Dylan, stop no, we need we need George Lucas to kick Gollum off the podcast. Hey, hey, get out of here, Gollum. Hey, stop it. Go to Raven Mess, George Lucas. Uh, okay, I'm going to edit that out. Okay. We're good. So. No, you're not. Uh, you're not going to do it. You love it too much. God damn it. <laughs> it's the worst voice that you like the most. It's so bad. Okay, so she falls head into broken glass. She's bleeding. Everyone escapes. We don't see them again until the next day. So that all happened the night before. The next day, the first thing we see is Summer coming over to Marissa's house. And this, again, was one of those scenes that I thought was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't actually see Marissa. Summer Summer's like, you know, I know you don't want to. I know something happened. But, like, I, if it would make you feel better if, to, to let it out. And I think it would make everyone feel better to know what happened, to know what you're dealing with. And Marissa just starts crying. And I was just like, that's so good. Like, that was such a good scene. We don't actually see Marissa tell Summer what happened. We mm-hmm. don't need to because she's just crying and it's just a good scene. Summer's being a great friend. Yeah. The next time we see the kids, Ryan and Seth are in the pool, uh, floating around trying to figure out what to do with their day because it's a weird day. Um, we got a reference to Oliver, which I loved when the when the doorbell <laughs> rings. We get a reference to Oliver. He is gone but not forgotten. But it's Summer. Summer's at the door. Summer knows what happened with Trey and Marissa. And she tells Seth, the the sitch, what happened here. Again, I, I literally wrote, Seth's on a hot streak of doing the right thing here because Seth's response is like, yeah, we have to tell Ryan because what if he attacks you next? And I was like, okay, Seth, I see you. Well, I think that yeah. Seth did it in the wrong way. Seth, I, I'm frustrated that Seth didn't tell Ryan with Sandy there. Like, they, they should have turned to the adults in their lives. Sandy, Sandy has this. a lot on his plate already. I, but I don't know. This is this is bigger than... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they should have called him in, called him the big guns. Or, I don't, I mean, I guess it's probably Marissa's story to tell her parents, but like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think that him just telling Ryan was the right answer. I think that they needed adult intervention. That was a really big kind of point or contention that I had in my notes and a question that I kept asking is, like the whole Ryan has to know, Ryan has to know, but like, does he? Whose is it? Because like, you know, there's a whole idea of like whose story is it to tell. But in an instance where, like you said, you have a felon who is sexually assaulting people, I it makes me think that maybe it is okay for you to tell someone. Yeah, about no, I hundred percent. I agree. You tell Ryan. Mm-hmm. You tell everybody. Like, here's a yeah. fucking. Uh, there's a fucking like rapist in your community in your midst. You speak up and you tell everybody. hundred percent. That's what I would do. There's a rapist in Lincoln Park. <laughs> Oh man, we're old. Wait, what is that? What is yeah. that from? He's climbing your windows. What is that from? Snatching your oh, people up. Oh, okay. I remember that one now. You don't have to go and confess. We're looking for you. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. It was. It was the inspiration for uh, the Kimmy Schmidt theme song. I used to play yeah. that theme song. I do when the, when that show first came out. I played that theme song at speakeasy dance parties, and people lost their fucking minds. They loved it. Yeah, it's. I think it's Leslie's favorite song. It's either that <laughs> or something from of all time. It's either that or uh, something by ABBA or something from the new Olivia Rodrigo album. I love her musical references. They're wonderful. Before Dylan and Leslie officially got together, they used to like play songs and sing together, kind of like uh, Zoe Deschanel did with uh, what's his M. face, Ward. the guy in the movie with her. Mm-hmm. M Ward. Oh, you mean Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yeah, they um. used to play songs and sing together, and, and it was Dylan and uh, Leslie had that 
had that energy and they would sing songs. It was so sweet. I'm so flattered you think I'm like Zoe Deschanel. Thank you. Seth does tell Ryan the situation and I thought he did a pretty good, I can't believe I'm defending Seth, but I thought he did a pretty good job of like setting him up as like, hey, you're going to want to fly off the handle. Don't, which I know, he, I know <laughs> is not like going to work, but I give him credit for trying, I guess. I don't know. Um, Can I, oh God. Can I please? So I have to read my notes that I wrote whenever Ryan was hearing what was being said, just because I said, Ryan is listening to what happened. Ryan is coming out of his cage. He's been doing just fine. Gotta, gotta be down because I'm settling things with Trey. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see him getting more and more angry and it was so wonderful to see old Ryan again. That's where Ryan actually says like, I've been trying to be a new person this whole year and it's like, damn, we didn't, we didn't get, I didn't realize that this was like such a struggle for him to be a different person that like doesn't punch people. I can't be a good boy anymore. But like, he's really acknowledging like it's been I've been trying my best to be a good person, which is like, okay. But he does say, I'm going to settle this with Trey once and for all. I really thought he was going to be like, I'm going to kill him. Um, so Ryan leaves and goes to Alex Jones's house. Gay bomb. Um, Trey is there. Trey's cleaning his apartment. He's like getting everything ready because he's leaving to go to Vegas. Don't forget. He wants his security deposit back. He's going to put it all on red, baby. Um, the, the gun is there. Chekhov's gun is there under the pillow. We see it. Um, Ryan shows up. He gets in his face and like they start kind of arguing. But Trey's the first to instigate. Like he shoves him. And then Amelia pulls a gun on him, which I thought was like zero to 100. Again, that's Trey. But like, mm-hmm. damn. I was Donnie. like, uh-huh. I was, yeah, I was like, damn, dude. You just like. You guys were having an argument. Now you're pointing a gun at him, which I feel like we've seen Trey have bigger arguments than that. But anyway, mm-hmm. I thought this, I thought the, I actually really, I laughed really hard at this. The part where Ryan just like puts his hands up and like does one of these. Like he's, <laughs> I was like, he does it in such a sarcastic way that it was so funny to me because he puts his hands up and then Trey puts the gun down. And then I just wrote in all caps, fight night, baby. Let's fucking go. Dude. Like, so to be honest, this fight was really well choreographed. Like, I really liked this fight. I I really, I mean, having seen a lot of fights on the OC, this felt different and not just because of it the characters. It felt really dangerous. Yeah. Like, it felt like whenever he grabbed that phone, it was earnestly terrifying. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm watching TV shows and I get frustrated because I'm like, why doesn't the other person do something? Why don't they kick the person or hit the person in the head or whatever? And Marissa did kind of try to push Trey off and he pushed her. Yeah. So I thought that was, I was glad that at least there was something and it wasn't, you know, Marissa going from zero to 60. So that was my next note though. It was like, this is not like the Zach and Seth fight from two episodes ago where they just kind of wrestled around uh. on the floor a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah no, this scary. is like, I don't like Ryan is literally, it looks like trying to kill him. Like he's bashing his head into the wall. And then he mm-hmm. stands up and like this is a this is a jokey reference, but it's real. He's like going full like stone cold, like stopping a mud hole in him while he's mm-hmm. on the ground. Like he is kicking him hard <laughs> while he's on the ground. And then Trey like pile drives him through the glass table. It's like, oh shit. Like this yeah. is getting very real. Marissa shows up. Like Chelsea said, she tries to break him up. Trey shoves her. Trey is trying to choke Ryan probably to death, maybe probably. Um, and then he grabs the phone which I guess he's going to hit him with to beat the shit. I mean, I, it, they seem like they literally want to kill each other. And yeah. then my next note just says in all caps, cue Imogen Heap, the most iconic moment of our teenage years all over again. Dude. Oh my God. Marissa shoots Trey in the back, 
I will never forget this. I, 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 as I was watching it again, I was just flashing in my head the exact same way. Like the blood pooling in the front of him and starting to like bleed through his like wife beater. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, the image and heap song is used so well, which we also heard at the funeral. Obviously, that's the music moment mm-hmm. of the episode. And she yeah, shoots the... him once. She shoots him once in the back, and then he falls over. Looks like he could be dead. Ryan's pretty brutally beaten. Marissa's there holding the gun. Seth and Summer show up just in time to run in and see all of the chaos. And that's how the show ends, season two. There, so there, there are two things I want to say just about this final like five seconds of this episode. The first thing is. I don't know if this makes sense, but whenever Seth and Summer show up in that scene, has like like say they're walking into the end of a production of Hamlet. There's just like blood and bodies and stuff everywhere. The stark contrast between the Ryan Marissa storylines and the Summer Seth storylines is so on display there because they feel they look so out of place in that scene. And I thought that made it really effective to kind of show how horrifying mm-hmm. it actually was. But another thing yeah. is like I feel like for an entire generation of people, they only know this scene as the Saturday Night Live sketch. Mm-hmm. And I love and hate that sketch for that reason. Because like even like before that sketch, this scene was perfect. And it still is amazing. But I, uh, I know there's going to be someone out there who's maybe watching the OC for the first time. And they're at this really intense emotional moment. They're like, oh, it's like Shia LaBeouf and Andy Samberg. It's like Saturday Night Live. And that kills me. I love that. I love that sketch on SNL. Like, I think that just, I think that to me, that legitimizes this show and that scene even more. That, like, that's what I think about anything that happens on mm-hmm. SNL. But, like, um, to me, that says that this was important enough that we needed to make a parody of it on our show, which is a massive show, obviously. Is this, this uh, to me, this is the most, partially because of the SNL thing, but to me, this is the most iconic, remember, memorable scene from this entire show. Yeah. No, I, I, I think so. I like, and this, this is something that is, it's so niche for like this time period, because I don't think anyone mm-hmm. today has ever had to experience this. But like when I heard that song, I was adamant and aggressive about, I need to know what that song was. So I had to wait until the episode was over and the voiceover said on this, on tonight's episode of the OC, we featured music from, I don't know if y'all remember that they would do that on the live episodes is they would say like yes. who the artists were. And like, as soon as they said image and heap, like I made the connection that this was the same image in heap whose song was on the garden state soundtrack. And then like my world was colliding and exploding. But I remember I specifically went out to find the song and I still listen to it. I find that song hard to, not because it is not because it makes me think of the show. I just find that song hard to listen to. There's no, like, I don't know. I, I don't really like that. Well, in the moment, not, the song, it's not really the, a, a song that you would ever like hear on the radio. It, it's not like a bop. It's all exactly about right, yeah. like communicating. Emotion. It's a vibe. It's not a bop. Yeah, it's, a vibe. It, it, it's all about commu- communicating. I don't know. I know what you're trying to say. I know what I'm trying to say, trying to say which is like, I don't really like the song that much. In the moment of this show, it's perfect. They couldn't. They probably couldn't have picked a more perfect song. I just don't really like the song that much. Dylan, sidebar. Just I need you to write this down and just look up this band whenever we are off the air because there's this band called Damned Anthem. D A M N E D Anthem. Sold. And all they do is like highly theatrical covers of big songs. Ooh, like they're I'm like, like film like film score huge like drama wow. build up like those are the songs you hear like in Gears of War trailers and stuff. <laughs> oh, um, okay. They keep Sold. they keep using them. They keep using them in the show Cruel Summer that I'm watching. By the way, if no one's watching Cruel Summer, hit me up. I'm obsessed with that show. It's on Freeform, and it's like another teen drama that I'm obsessed with right now. Um, anyway, 
that's it for season two. Do we have anything else we want to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, such a cliffhanger. Probably one of the most iconic cliffhangers of all time, don't you think? Yeah. Who shot JR is the only close cliffhanger that I that I think got this close with TV. Maybe it wasn't a cliffhanger because I just assumed Trey died. I'm, I'm trying to think if I remember. I think I was more like into the season one cliffhanger of like what's happening because everyone split off into different places. You didn't know because, you know, there's like too many people going different directions. Like this is just like Trey's dead and Marissa is probably going to have repercussions. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a big cliffhanger. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But like, I just felt like the, being uh, more like I was looking forward to season two starting more than I was looking forward to season three starting, I guess. Yeah, I thought he was just dead. I was actually I actually kind of thought it was lame that he was still alive. I don't well, know. I agree. I also think I would have been probably better if he was dead in the context of this exact scene. But like so um, Marissa, when Marissa died in season three. I feel like we knew then that she died. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't like, oh, is she dead or not? It was, oh, she's definitely right. dead. Like, there was no doubt about mm-hmm. it. She was dead. And I feel like that worked mm-hmm. better instead of what we got here with Trey. Also, Trey's not like a major character. You could kill him off and it wouldn't. Like, we killed Caleb. He's a way more integral character than Trey. Um, yeah. Anyway, we have a lot to look forward to in season three. We have a lot to look forward to before season three because we're going to throw yeah. out some, we'll throw out a couple of bonus episodes before we get there. Um, we don't know exactly when we'll be back for season three. We're recording this on May 24th. I would say we'll probably get back to it in maybe late June. July. Late early July. Yeah, probably yeah. Af- after the 4th, after we celebrate America. we celebrate America. America, and we'll come back and we'll celebrate yeah. the worst season of the OC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, do, we'll, we'll get through it together. You know what? We could just do one super episode where we talk about all of season three. I'm down. The five-hour episode. for like 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Chelsea would be in and out of naps for eight of those hours. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Well, Dylan, tell them about the rates and reviews and all that fun stuff. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if, if, if Russia got a hold of us or something, but we have quite a few ratings and reviews now, but that's not me saying, so don't worry about it. You're off the hook. No, we want as many as possible. We want you all to tell us what we like um, or what you like, rather. Sorry, I was just looking and distracted because our number went up again. We have 96 ratings. That's what I said. So, we have close to 100. Yeah, we're. Do getting... we have more than uh, Welcome to the Podcast, bitch? Oh does? no, they, they have like, have like thousands. Five, yeah, five hundred oh, to a thousand. Wow. But so this is the best way that you can help our show. Um, iTunes, Apple Podcast works on an algorithm. Um, the more ratings and reviews the show has, the more downloads it has, the more likely it is to show up when someone types in the keywords. I made it really simple. The keywords are the OC. So when people search the OC, we want this show to be showing up right there on the front page with Melinda. Um, and Rachel's podcast. Welcome to the podcast, bitches. Dylan. Next time you call in, next time you call into their podcast, you should plug our podcast. I did on yeah. that. The uh, so I've called their podcast three times, <laughs> and the, oh my god, and, you have not. Yeah, and the the Dylan, only you're one banned. you're like banned from calling him now. The only one that I didn't plug our podcast on was the one that got played. So mm, interesting. But I know they've listened. I will say, last time I checked, you could see like a sliver of our OC of our. Uh, header card oh it doesn't look like it anymore for a while you could see like we were like the fifth one or something i'm confused like because most of those are church shows anyway they get ranked ahead of us because i don't uh, understand but. i know i don't understand why there's all these church shows too and it looks like there's new one like i haven't heard of this there's, it's just called the oc podcast there's another one called oc swingers like i haven't oh it's hosted by the doctor from the syriac place <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> bob who likes birds yeah. yeah you can find us if you want to reach out to us in the interim you can find us 
on uh, Instagram at Cohen's Pod, C O H E N S P O D. Or you can email us, CohensPod at gmail.com. Before we get out of here, Dylan, nope, nope, nope. You're not saying anything else. You're done for the day. Chelsea, you have anything go- else you want to say? I'll see you guys next time. Or Dylan, say what you want to say. Hanging out. I'm going to say it because it's cross-pollination. If you all are looking for something to listen to while mm-hmm. the Keeping Up with the Coens podcast is on break, check out the Millennium Falconers Book Club. My buddy Ryan and I are talking about Star Wars. We're talking about Lord of the Rings. We're talking about a whole bunch of nerdy stuff. So check it out. Uh, we only have episodes once a month because even I can't deal. Check with out myself me and Dylan's podcast. Yes, it is. So I'm only allowed to have one Jewish friend named Ryan and one Christian friend named Ryan, and so I have a podcast with both of them. But um, but I hope y'all like it. Um, I think we by the time this airs, we'll have three episodes out, and so it's a it's a more constrained dillibuster, but. I can't wait to talk to you all about the OC again, and we got to find a way to hang out. We got to start recording in person. Yeah, no, I could literally just like yeah, I could just unplug your mic whenever I want. That'd be great. Um, all right, well, that's it for us. By the time we come back, I should be fully, fully doing dance parties. I hope so. We'll see you. We'll see you there in, in the summer. Um, I can't believe we did it. We did so much better in season two than season one. I think we killed this. I, th- I feel like we're really good at this. I remember, so do you remember the season one? Do you remember recording? Hang on, sorry. I know we're, we're, we're like I'm dillabustering now. Do you remember the season <laughs> one finale? Does anyone remember recording it? Because we did it so f- we did it in like 45 minutes. I think Chelsea was in Cabo and like we I had to be somewhere that night, so we just like powered through it. We barely talked about anything. I feel like we did a great job. Yeah, it's I had we, a I had like dinner reservation. I was all dressed up in a fancy outfit. Didn't we only talk about one episode? And I was drunk on margaritas. <laughs> it was one or two episodes, but still, I just felt like we powered through it. And after it was over, I was like shit because I had a dinner reservation that night too, and I was like shit i was dry. i remember driving to that dinner and being like damn i wish we had more time because we didn't get into nearly enough stuff so i feel like we did good tonight done it we done did it everyone's getting what they pay for which is nothing that's right um subscribe to our only fans you'll see uh pictures of dylan's feet and uh until then <laughs> we'll see you guys for season three or sooner bye hags <laughs> god damn it